0: Believe it or not, Adam, it's our sixth episode. It's taken a lot to get here, but we are here nonetheless.
1: Yeah, we are absolutely here. Um, if uh, you didn't know, that was the voice of Adam Messinger, and uh, I'm Jim Mason. We're here to talk some comics today.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. comics.
1: comics. And, uh, you know, I thought we'd do a little bit of a change of pace from what we've been doing. I mean, we've been doing DC Rebirth, DC Rebirth DC Rebirth DC Rebirth and yes our fifth episode was also on DC Rebirth. So I was thinking how about we take a little change of pace here? What about uh should we do Marvel? I think, you know, now that we're out of political season, we can still use the term for equal time. <laughs> okay. Okay. And uh give give the uh uh the mouse-owned uh House of Ideas a little spotlight, I you know, because as much fun as we've been having with DC books, Adam and I, we're comic wars, and uh, yes. that's, that's a new that's term. A,
0: I'd never heard of that. Did you, you just come up with that? I
1: just came up with that.
0: That's, that's great. I'm going to use that for I'm now gonna, I'm
1: pounding. Now, because we're not recording this on video, you in the audience, I want you to imagine me taking my index finger and tapping it to my head when I say marketing genius. Yep. Right here. Right now, so uh, Adam and I, we uh, we wanted to give Marvel some equal time because it is the second. I mean, honest to God, this is the weirdest thing to say. Who'd have thunk? I mean, Marvel is still technically the market leader in some areas, but in other areas, and we don't have statistics in front of us, but we we visit the websites and we know that it's, it's like a neck and neck race between Marvel and DC for after the first Weaver. time
0: in probably fifteen years. I,
1: Uh, I mean, honestly, honestly, probably since the death of Superman era.
0: Well, I wouldn't go that far.
1: Well, that's like going back when you were in kindergarten. I was about to
0: say, I I can't remember that far back, but I know enough that I I don't think it was that far back. I just know the early 2000s when comics were about to die and then had that whole creative boom. Yeah. uh, That, you know, that's when, when things were pretty neck and neck.
1: Yeah, I think DC had more British writers than Marvel did at the time. and
0: uh... <laughs> uh, But oddly enough, it was two British writers, I feel, that really pulled them out of that. Yeah. Um, you know, Mark Miller with his contributions to the Ultimate Universe, and then uh, Grant Morrison on X-Men, and then, of course, Bendis on Ultimate Spider-Man. Who is he's...
1: not very British at all. No, no. No, in fact, I think he's originally from Ohio. It's, oh, that's right. Yeah. I think he's
0: from Cleveland.
1: Yeah, I think he's from Cleveland. Now he's in Portland. Yeah. And uh, we're going to stalk you, Michael Bendis. No, we're not going to do that. But uh, Bendis, the combination of the British writers and artists that Marvel got with Bendis created a kind of, like we used the term in the last episode, alchemy, over Mm -hmm. Marvel to really turn the ship around after, I mean, almost completely sinking like the Lusitania. Oh, yeah, they have just gone through bankruptcy. Yeah.
0: I know at one point they'd farmed out their uh they'd farmed out their big four titles uh to image
1: oh God, uh, you had to remind me of that
0: um well i yeah, I only bring that up because, as a kid <laughs> that's where I came in and I said, "Oh, Captain America has a new number one as like a fifth grader,
1: and why is his pectoral so big and, and misshapen
0: funny <laughs> funny side story so i uh The comic store I went to at the time knew that I was basically a huge fan of the whole Heroes Reborn thing, Uh and he'd had a giant Rob Liefeld uh, Captain America poster that he'd refused to put up. And and I only look at that now, and then he's like, hey, I got something for you one day. Uh-huh. And made my day with this giant, at the time it seemed twice the size of me, but this giant Rob Liefeld, Captain America. And it was Steve Rogers, it wasn't Captain America, it wasn't the infamous tit shot.
1: Right, which uh, we, you know, look, just look it up on the inter- internet, Captain America tit shot. Um, I think at this point we should say this is a, an NSFW podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. w- we we enjoy the potty mouth, we use it sparingly to help punctuate what we think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a total tit shot from, for it, Captain America. It, so it wasn't it, yeah. that one. Was it the one where he used the shield to cover up most of his body? No, it wasn't
0: that one either. Oddly <laughs> enough, it was him just kind of standing among the wreckage with the giant shield. And... It wasn't from and that shield was
1: huge in the w- life in the life L days cuz that, that shield he was he used huge. the shit out of that shield to cover up the fact that he doesn't know human anatomy very yeah, well yeah. or at least can't draw it. He might know it but yeah. he can't draw it.
0: But yeah, so he uh, yeah, no the comic shop owner he he knew he could make my day with that shitty mm-hmm. shitty poster. Okay. So yeah, I was really, you know, that was kind of that was my beginnings as and, and I'm coming out to you right now, Jim. Okay. I'm coming out as,
1: as a Marvel zombie. Really?
0: Yes. Wow. Uh, you I, you uh, know,
1: your flesh looks remarkably intact. Yeah. Um, so good job with the makeup. So yeah. congratulations. Yeah, but
0: if you peel away, you see like, you know, Avenger symbols and, and, and stars and like spider webs and, and shit. necrotic
1: growths and stuff like that, right? Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> so cheesy Marvel zombie.
0: But right now we're going to talk about Marvel books. Uh, Jim, do you got like a top five or anything like that? You
1: know what? I have a top five. But like last week before I did my number one book, I had honorable mentions. This week what I want to do is I want to do the honorable mentions first. okay, And get those out of the way. And, and these are just really quick. Um, so you're going to see Mark Wade on my list quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> As it should be. As it should be. Um, you know, Mark Wade is a guy that I discovered back on the Flash years ago, and I think we both talked about how much of, a, of an original redhead Wally West fan we yes, both are. Yes, and uh, he was, and a lot of that's due in part to
0: Mark Wade's oh. uh, complete expansion and influence on the Flash mythology.
1: And and I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Is that Mark Wade is a mythologist of a writer? I mean, this is a guy who really creates a, a world a story, not just a story from issue to issue or arcs of stories, but he builds a cast of characters. He builds situations between these casts of characters on the various books that he works on, whether they be team books or solo books. And uh, he, he truly is. I mean, he's up there, I feel, Maybe not in the the L S D ways that Grant Morrison is, but he is a guy that really gets into the nuts and bolts of the mythology of character. Yeah. And I uh you, you you're gonna see Mark White pop up on this list because he's quite firmly at Marvel for the time being Absolutely, yeah, right now. Yeah. So uh some honorable mentions. I want to put out Avengers out there. This is this is the 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 book that came after, all new, all different. They just relaunched it. With
0: Mike Delmundo.
1: Yeah, but I'm not reading that one. I'm reading the I, I should and I probably will, but I'm reading the point one issues. Oh
0: yeah. It's nice to see Barry Kitson back on Arms. Right? Yeah.
1: So this is uh what was it? Uh Imperium? What what was the book that he did with with Barry Kitson? Empire. Empire. That was the one where it was like Doctor Doom takes over the world. Yeah. I mean, in a mm-hmm. nutshell. And uh, to have Barry Kitson on a book again, oh, you know, I mean, see these two team up. They're yeah. just you. You can see how these stories are flying. And it's a flashback book of when the original Avengers all ex- uh, and you know Captain America. By the way, kids, was not an original Avenger. Um, Captain America joined in issue number four. And this is like going way back to the Jack Kirby, Stan Lee days. And um, there was a point where Ant Man, or excuse me, Giant Man at that point, the Wasp, Iron Whatever Man, his name Iron, was. Iron Man, Thor all bounced. They said, hey, our personal lives are all a mess. First time it's ever been done in comics because. Uh, You know, all the other team books, the Fantastic Four, they were family. They couldn't get away from each other. The Justice League, they were like the gods of Olympus. They weren't going to leave each other.
0: The X-Men was a school. Was a school,
1: so they couldn't go anywhere, otherwise they'd get grounded. Um, Yeah. But this is the first time that you can... I mean, the Avengers was the first, I don't know how else to call it, but a professional superhero team. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, they had a charter. They had meetings, gaveled in, gaveled out sessions. They had a home base. They had a home base and the whole thing like that. And a butler. And a butler. And uh, Tony Stark said, yo, dude, um, I like to drink and have women, and uh, I'm I'm having problems with, with backlash or whatever. I, I'm out. And <laughs> it wasn't that bad. But seriously, like, you know, um, this was before a uh, giant man and the wasp got married and they wanted time to work on their relationship and Thor said there was business in Asgard and that was before Jack Kirby went fucking nuts with with the Thor space epic and because they wanted to observe the continuity on that one they took Thor out of the book and they were left with a conundrum that's that's weird they observed continuity and left a character out of a book yeah no i mean they i mean Deep cuts, I know, but I mean that's that's how Stan and Jack and all the guys over at Marvel, you know, uh, uh, ran the book. So um, I'm trying to remember the name of the artist that came on. He was a guy that I liked quite a bit, but um, I know
0: Don Heck did Don some, Heck and uh, was like the Dick first
1: I- Iyers. Dick Ayers. Dick um, Ayers. So they uh, Cap had to recruit new Avengers. And uh, the Beatles re- were really big at the time, so they said. And the Fantastic Four was the best-selling book at the time, so they said, "Well, let's do another four-member team superhero book," and uh, it- and that's the team that was called Caps Kooky Quartet. Uh, that makes that,
0: yeah, because it really was a weird
1: and Captain. And- I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: I remember seeing that team and having a hard time taking it serious because it is an Avengers team with only four members and the Avengers are known for being this massive,
1: expansive team. You know, like they have a minimum of six and sometimes. And remember when Busiek and Perez came back on? I mean, they had like all hundred (laughs) adventures. or whatever. Oh yeah, that
0: first storyline was basically an an Avengers reunion where they had... We're even
1: going to have like D-Man in the book. Yeah, D-Man,
0: Beast was there. Yep. they had everybody
1: they, i mean everybody uh they invent and and they let perez create two new characters just for that book so Jeez. that they could have even more
0: oh adventures. and wonder man was dead at the time and they even brought him back yeah yeah he was just kind of hanging out
1: you know inside the scarlet witch oh yeah that was really creepy. that was really kind of creepy and weird but he was energy so it's yeah. it's not as bad as what you perverts think it is. Um, so, um, But no, the Avengers point one tells a story about how Captain America wanted to give a chance to not one, not two, but three reformed supervillains. So it was the original Thunderbolts. It was the original Thunderbolts. Seriously. Um, Hawkeye was a villain of Iron Man's. And so he brought Hawkeye onto the book. And then in what was the you know a really weird move at the time they inter kind of interconnected with the X-Men books by Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch leaving the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants not knowing at their time that Magneto was and then was later not their father um but Quicksilver the Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye joined Captain America to defeat the villains that only the Avengers could and when you think about that power set you know in balancing the types of characters there I mean i I just it I can't even figure out how Captain America led that
0: team as far as like trying to figure out how to take things down and
1: and I think it only went about a year before Giant Man and the Wasps came back, so it wasn't like that long, but you know I remember in the early eighties Marvel reprinted a lot of those comics back in the day, and I had a chance to read some of those stories. And uh, yeah, it's like them fighting the masters of evil, you know, with like the Melter and, you know, a bunch of other Iron Man villains. But it's funny because Iron Man wasn't there, you know, and Baron Zemo and all of that. And, you know, it, it was really kind of a cool book. But now uh, Wade and Kitson are doing a point one issue between every regular issue of Avengers to tell the history of this period in the Avengers uh, continuity. and Had
0: anybody else done that I would have been I would have rolled my eyes. but Mark Wade is the guy to do this.
1: Like I read Joe Casey's Earth's Mightiest Heroes and Joe Casey is a, is a creator that I have a lot of respect for. He did that with Scott Collins if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, it was a fun book, but it wasn't what I would call an important book. Um, you know, just telling stories of of yeah. the days before the Hulk quit, which was in between issues one and two. Uh, so, yeah, uh, there was that. But uh, Avengers point one, I'm really interested to see if Wade has something bigger cooking with this book because so far they're quaint stories, they're nice small stories. Um, I want to see if there's something big that's going to come out of that. So that's why it gets an honorable mention from me right now. Um, Daredevil by Charles Soule and Ron Garney. Um, Soule did um, one of my favorite books of recent memory was his run on She Hulk, uh, which I really, I think we talked about this before Adam yeah. offline. Um, I, I really loved bringing the law back into She Hulk, and I thought that was fantastic. Um, and he's really bringing the law back to the forefront into the Daredevil book. Um, don't get me wrong, Wade and Samney's Daredevil, fantastic. As the governor would say, um, I loved it. But his version of Daredevil as a prosecutor and seeing the other side of the equation, we see a lot of books with defense attorneys, you know, aping the Perry Mason uh, uh, paradigm of, you know, you have to protect me. I'm innocent. I swear I don't deserve to go to the electric chair yeah. for this. And, and that seems where every story um, about a legal care, you know, a legal. Um, or a lawyer character went to, you know, especially the earlier Daredevil stories, you know, that, you know, he never defended a a guilty client until Frank Miller started writing the book. Oh, yeah, that (laughs) was a great story. So, um, you know, but his Daredevil, uh, he wants to get onto the right side of the law. You know, like many lawyers do, you know, they feel like they have to give up a little piece of their soul every time they defend a scumbag, right? Well, he's joined the district attorney's office as a deputy DA, and he needs to keep a schedule, and he needs to impress his boss. You know, he's in a government bureaucracy. Um, He's in a very unique place in his life where he is not fully—I mean, he's—before they would say that Daredevil was not in control because of his Daredevil portion of his life— but it's like he's got the Daredevil portion of his life down to a science right now. He doesn't have the Matt Murdock side of his life down in this. And that's one of the, one of the ways that I really like this book. Um, and Ron Garney. It's Ron Garney. I mean, I, I like Ron Garney. They're doing interesting things with the color palette in this book to give it kind of an orange feel. And Daredevil's got a, a part-time sidekick as well. Um,
0: yeah, that that seems to make sense if you're saying he's ha- he's got Daredevil down, yep. but having Blindspot in there would give him some time to hopefully get Matt Murdock together.
1: Exactly, and and Blindspot is a fully fleshed out character as well. Um, again, don't want to go too deep into my honorable mentions, but I got to say Daredevil's a book that I'm staying fairly consistent with reading right now. Um, Jason Aaron and Chris Bachalo's Doctor Strange, um, solid book. I'm so I'm so sad I fell off that book. Oh, it's it's and and I kind of fell off of it, even though I'm still buying it. I'm just way behind on my comics reading right now, so I'm giving it an honorable mention because of distant memory that is going to be improved this weekend when I when I finish the last three issues that I haven't read yet. Um, I will say that I am not a fan of Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer's Supreme. Oh, um, that's
0: a bummer. I I, need I, to, I wanted to check out that book.
1: You know, I was a real fan of Jonathan Hickman's Shield, or was that Rick Remender? Who Hitch- was it? Hick- oh no,
0: it was Hickman. Hick-
1: that was Hickman.
0: Hickman did so the the two and a half
1: yeah series series. Damn it, Hickman! Give me my last. Give me the second half of 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 the third arc. Uh, anyway, but you know, there's a lot of interesting characters in that book. It just doesn't. I don't know. it just doesn't hit me the same way as the main mainstream Doctor Strange book does. Um, I don't know. maybe I'll get more into it. And then last but not least, mighty and unworthy Thor, um, more Jason Aaron stuff. Um, you know, I, I think that they are solid books and they vacillate between okay and great. There's never a bad issue of either book. Um, But it's just vacillating, especially Unworthy Thor just hasn't found its footing with me fully yet. But I fully expect, you know, once I've seen the the turn of the first arc, that... uh, Oh,
0: that's a five-issue mini.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I I know I'm going to love it. So, but let's start with my number five book. And I have to grab my iPhone here where I wrote my list on. And um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I wear a lot of Star Wars t-shirts. I've I've seen one or two. Yeah, and I'm not wearing one today, but um, Star Wars is my jam. I mean, that is my pop culture thing. I know it's really trendy for a lot of people to say, oh, I was a Star Wars fan when, well, let me tell you something, Junior. I was there in the movie theaters when I was eight years old in 1977, so you can do the math, and I saw Star Wars in the movie theaters. Episode four, before they called it episode four, it was just called Star Wars. And um, I have been in love with that universe ever since. Now, things you love can also bring you pain sometimes. Uh, You probably know this. Well,
0: well we're comics fans We're so comics that's fans. definitely and, uh, part of the the game.
1: And if you listen to my rant towards the end of, of, of our fifth episode about my love affair with Titans and how it hurts me so much right now, uh, you know that as much as some titles hurt me, I still buy them to continue getting hurt because of the codependency I have with certain <laughs> characters. Um, but uh, I am in love with Jason Aaron. I, I think he's just one of the greatest, greatest writers working today.
0: I, I have to agree. I started reading Men of Wrath last night, oh. which was his five-issue with, with Ron Barney. Yeah. Oh, and I, at the end of issue one, I was just like, if I didn't have to go to bed right now to actually be a functional person tomorrow, right, I would have read this. And it was it was phenomenal. I love Southern Bastards.
1: Right, and uh, we're talking like hardcore crime books.
0: Uh, yeah, and he's uh, one of my favorite Punisher stories is his Punisher Max with uh, right. Steve Dillon. Oh, so yeah, I mean, and Jason- you're not
1: if do I remember right that you're not the biggest Steve Dillon fan?
0: No, which is gonna we'll talk about that okay uh, very soon.
1: Okay, so but Jason Aaron goes from writing hardcore crime like Men of Wrath, uh, uh, Scalped. Um, uh, God, why am I blanking on the other one that you just mentioned right uh, now? Uh, son- Southern, Southern bastards. bastards. Then he goes to write off. He goes right from writing that stuff to stuff like the mighty and the unworthy Thor, getting hardcore into the Norse myths, like deep cut shit right there. You know, stuff going on with the politics and you know around the throne between Odin and Frigga, and you know the giants and the elves are conspiring and all the stuff. I mean, tr- truth be told, probably really inspired by the way the MCU has depicted the Thor universe, but still putting his own unique take on how fucked up families can be.
0: Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he just took that, ran with it, and now they're going to like di- the MCU is going to be influenced by by his exploration of all that.
1: I am so hopeful. I'm sorry, this is going to be a quick tangent. I promise, but Thor Ragnarok. Or is my my wife, who speaks Danish fluently, told me it's supposed to be pronounced Ragnarok? Really? Yeah, I
0: didn't know that one. Either.
1: I didn't know that either. But apparently, if I'm supposed to say Ragnarok in her mother's household, who, who is from Denmark, I'm supposed to say Ragnarok, but because that's how you pronounce it. So, anyway, quick side story there. Yeah. Um. So, but I bet you Taika Waititi, who's directing the new one, um might very well be taking some beats from it and just looking at the designs of the Valkyrie and uh, you know, his his set designs of the big battles and, you know, the stuff that, you know, let's be honest. It's gonna be half Ragnarok, half Planet Planet yeah, I was Hulk.
0: Say, it's a lot of um, Planet Hulk.
1: It's gonna be a shit ton of Planet Hulk and I cannot freaking wait for that. It's just gonna be, I think it's it's gonna go into our Geek movie preview episode that we're gonna do soon. Um But that's one of the the movies I'm waiting for. But however, Jason Aaron is not just a hard-boiled crime writer. And he's not just a far-out Norse space god fantasy writer as well. That dude loves Star Wars. I mean, he lives and breathes this shit. He has practically written every issue of the main Star Wars comic over at Marvel since... Disney took over the license, and months later, Marvel's, you know, the Dark Horse uh, license ended. They launched the major Star Wars book. His first four issues was done with no, by none other than John Cassidy. And uh, ever since then, I have fallen in love because this guy is able to tell the stories that the crew of the Millennium Falcon, Han Solo, Chewbacca, Leia, Luke... And uh, other characters all, that he's
0: brought in and like made up.
1: Sana Solo, you know, and all of them. Um, 3PO and R2, I cannot forget. This guy writes R2 in character. A character that... Can, I don't even know how you do that. You know, because in in film, you can intone what the beeps and the whirls and the whist- whistles mean, right? He's able to create deep character from a character that cannot really make facial expressions for the artist with beeps and whirls and and, and sound effect words being drawn That's into the panel. That's crazy.
0: I mean, if I were writing that book, R2 would be a joke character because I would have no clue how to even uh, figure out how to do something with him outside of him being a punchline.
1: Absolutely, but he's able to convey that sense of action because R two shows a bias for action like all the time. Like he's just first of all, I think he's killed more people in Star Wars than Darth Vader. Number one, R two is a yeah. murder bot, uh- <laughs>
0: and it's usually it's almost like a,
1: like an intentional
0: Mister Magoo, right? Where he's just like going along doing. I'm shit. I'm just
1: gonna lean into this and see how many stormtroopers will fall down the pit. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, but but he has their voices. You know, I hear Carrie Fisher's voice, and 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 rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. You are a genius on Earth. Um, but he's got Carrie Fisher's voice for Leia. He's got um, uh, Mark Hamill's voice for Luke Skywalker. And he's got Harrison Ford's voice for for Han Solo. And, oh, let's not forget Lando, and let's not forget Sana Solo, and let's not forget the Imperials and Vader. I mean... Um, I have to give credit on a side note to Kieran Gillen wrapping up 25 issues of Darth Vader, which is like the godfather epic of space opera right there. Vader, full-on gangster with a lightsaber. I mean, that dude is the most hardcore dude on the planet. They had a crossover. Oh, Vader down? Vader down. Crossover, uh, 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 co-written between Jason Aaron and Kieran Gillen with art by Mike Deodato Jr. doing double duty on that book, doing just fantastic. Whenever
0: I, I saw that they were bringing him on, I was just like, they should just keep him on that book because he's so good with, yeah. like, photorealism and and making the characters look like the actors. And,
1: and move like the actors move, yeah. you know. You get the fact that Han Solo, you know, you see in Han Solo, he's a guy who is not a ninja. Uh, no. <laughs> he, he is middle-aged white American male, <laughs> You know, if there's such a thing in the Star Wars universe. But he is not the most graceful on his feet. And you get that sense when you see Han Solo in motion, shooting and running. You get that sense that Luke Skywalker is not good with a lightsaber right now. Um, They did an issue, um, spoilers if you haven't read it, and I don't have the issue number in front of me, where Luke goes back to Tatooine after the Battle of Yavin. And... um, He goes to Obi-Wan Kenobi's hut just to see if, you know, out there in the middle of the desert. Three or four. No, it's like five or six, I think. I think it was before Stuart and Mountain came on the book. Okay. Okay. And it was a it was a one-issue drop. And um, Darth Vader has hired Boba Fett to find out who the rebel pilot was that blew up the Death Star. And Boba Fett tracks him to a hut in the middle of the Jundlin Waste Desert on Tatooine and encounters Luke Skywalker. And there's a fight between Boba Fett and Luke Skywalker. And the first thing Boba Fett does is throw a flashbang and blinds Luke Skywalker. So all that training he had with Kenobi with the blast shield down.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Okay.
1: Okay. So Luke Skywalker survived a fight with Boba Fett in the small confines of his Adobe, of Obi-Wan's Adobe hut. And it was the absolute, it's still my, you can tell right now with the joy on my face, uh, you can't see it, but man, I'm smiling ear to ear, shit eating grin. That, that was my favorite issue of the book so far. And they just trashed the joy because Boba Fett was throwing his flamethrower, fight firing his super long blaster. Did he blaster. have
0: his, his Wookiee counterpart with him?
1: Oh, uh, Black Kirstan? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. I don't think so. I think that was before Kirsten came out to the book, who's now a regular in the Doctor Aphra series. Oh, okay. Yeah, So, which I have all the issues. I just haven't had a chance to read them yet. Um, but the, the fight... Now, Boba Fett is full Mandalorian, man with no name. Um, in fact, I want to say that Vader hired him just calling him Bounty Hunter, like an empire. Like, he didn't even use his real name. And uh, anyway, I mean, they just trashed Kenobi's place. Um, but Luke is able to get out with Obi-Wan Kenobi's giant journal of all the years that he spent in the desert. Not only was he watching Luke, but he was writing the history, his understanding of the history of the Jedi in that, which would lead into, like, James Robinson's Starman, which... I am gonna loan to you today. I promised you this last summer, because you haven't read Starman. Right, right. So I'm giving you volume one today. Okay. Okay. So that we can talk Starman on a future episode. So
0: now now you gotta tie those two because I'm confused.
1: Okay, but he would do occasionally these times past issues, talking about the original Avenger or the original adventures of uh, Starman of the nineteen forties. Okay. Or Jack Knight's brother, who was Starman for a week you know, before he was killed, you know, and things like that. You know, just going back yeah. to the history. And now they can tell these flashback tales of Obi-Wan Kenobi. These flashback tales of Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, telling the story of a master Jedi that was very short but was very old and very wise and the adventures that he went on. He t- he's right now telling a story, an adventure of Yoda's um, that takes place before The Phantom Menace, without mentioning Yoda's name once, just calling him the Jedi Master. Wow. Okay, so Luke has no idea who he's reading about, but they tell the story, they show Yoda, but yeah. it's it's so that we, the reader, can understand what Luke is, is reading, and Luke is still kind of confused by all of this. But anyway, getting back to it, I want to say this was issue five, it could have been six, but nonetheless, my favorite issue of the book, and um, so yeah, a licensed property that, It's technically licensed, even Mm -hmm. though they're both owned by Disney. Um, I'm telling you, Jason Aaron has just written the shit out of this book. And, um, you know, this guy just proves to me that he is a writer's writer. That, you know, he, he doesn't just have a lane and he sticks to it. You know, like Mark Miller... You know, Mark Millar, or however we pronounce his name. I mean, that dude is there for one thing, and that guy is there to showboat and shock people. I yep. think, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's like how offensive can it be in this episode, you know? Um, <laughs> but Jason Aaron shows that he is a guy who can wear a coat of many colors, and I am just saying that that Marvel has picked the right guy. And when he leaves this book, as we know, that everybody comes to the end. <sighs> I'm dreading it, and I'm super hopeful that they can find another guy who loves these characters in this mythology, the mythology that George Lucas created, as much as uh, Jason Aaron has. And that's what I got to say about my number five book.
0: Wow. That's just number five. It
1: should be number one. It should be number one, but it's also... It, you know, the reason well, why I'm curious
0: I, now to see where you're gonna go and why it's not number one after waxing poetic yeah. as you have.
1: Well you know what, you know what takes it down a notch for me, or two or three or four, is the fact that it's a licensed book. You know, Star Wars Star Wars to me is visual medium and for me it's hierarchical. So I love Star Wars as film first. Okay. And then I like it as animated next as evidenced in Rebels and the Clone Wars and then i always liked reading the comics and the books third and fourth third tide okay. you know it's just my preference you know i would love to see an animated series based on on jason aaron's story of you know if rebels ever ends i want to see the continuing adventures of luke skywalker um you know but that's just the way it feels for me but it's just fantastic storytelling but it's not it it doesn't come from comics for me, so okay. that's, that's why I put it down there. But it's just so good I have to put it on there because of some of the stuff, because of that Luke versus Fett story, because of Vader down, because of all the great new characters like Sano Solo and Dr. Afra and Triple Zero, who is the most murderous fucking protocol droid. He has a protocol droid is with torture the, implements. Is
0: it, that the C-3PO lookalike? Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Yep, it's and a, then
0: was it B two
1: or BT zero? BT zero was BT zero. Yeah, it's triple zero. and BT zero, BT something. They call him yeah. BT. Yeah, like R two and um, BT just has nuclear missiles inside of him. I mean, he's just a, you know, I mean, you have R two and three PO, and they had an encounter invader down of R two and three PO oh, with okay. the with the two murder droids, and it was just fantastic. So it makes me wish that i could see this in moving form and see the scenes framed and the sound effects and all that other whatnot so that's the only thing if if they can create sound effects to come out of comic books physical comic books one day yeah uh, or embed those in comiXology apps or something it would probably go up because to me star wars is also about the special effects the sound effects the editing and the stuff like that there's there's certain affectations that as hard as they try in the still medium of comics, you can't do. Okay. So that's why it's number five, but it is a hot number five. I mean, I got to tell you. Now, some of the other books might be anticlimactic sounding, but I love them because of what they do as comics. So with that being said, Adam, what is your number five?
0: To be honest, I think I'm reading like five Marvel comics. When we did Rebirth, I fell off of Everything and eventually, oh I, wow, I got lost in rebirth. So, like, I pretty much dropped 90% of my at one point. I was reading like 40 books a month. Holy god, and then it just I couldn't keep it up because 40 books a month.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I know a guy who claims to read 100 comic books a month.
0: Can he remember them all? as the important
1: thing. that's the that's I'll ask him that next time. That's the 64 million dollar question.
0: Yeah, so uh but yeah, like I think I'm reading, you know, less than five now there's several books that I have read recently on the Marvel Unlimited. Uh-huh. Uh that are that I haven't caught up to current with. Okay. Um, so I don't know how they're doing currently, but I've enjoyed I've enjoyed I guess this is my honorable mentions. Okay. Um the spider the, the, the whole family of spider women. Okay. Um, So
1: the Spider Woman, Silk, Spider Gwen—all three of
0: those books are fantastic. Yeah. um, From what I've read, Um, I went in originally because I I discovered Robbie Thompson on Spidey. Oh, okay. And then I also read his Venom Space Knight, which I really enjoyed. Hmm. And I said, "Well, I'm just going to go to Silk and just catch up with that because you know I really enjoyed his work and it's it's good." Silk's good, but I knew they were going to do the Spider Woman crossover, so I was like, Well, crap, now I got a k- classic Marvel, I got to catch up with all that. Okay, and Spider Woman was the dark horse that took the show for me. That now that book is fantastic. Now,
1: that's where she started pregnant, right? We didn't um, know who Baby Daddy was.
0: Well, it that's the that. Th- th-
1: so I'm sorry because I'm not following. Yeah, it no. Very Dennis close.
0: Hopeless's run starts right after Spider Verse, and he gives her a new costume, and he sets up a whole supporting cast. Oh, okay. And post Secret Wars is when they introduce the whole Spider Woman's pregnant storyline, which that storyline should have. I'm about to make a big, big statement, and I mean this. Okay. That storyline should have won an Eisner.
1: No shit.
0: That storyline, Javier Rodriguez's art in there, uh-huh. should have won an Eisner. Dennis Hopeless's writing should have at least been considered a nomination for
1: Hopeless is a good dude. I, I, I like the stuff that I, I see from him. And,
0: you know, so I, I really feel like that book did not get the love it deserved. And um, Spider-Gwen is also good. Uh, but I think a lot of it gets lost in the hype that it's oh look the novelty of Gwen Stacy right, Spider Woman right and and I mean that's a great book and Jason Latour and, and Robbie Rodriguez do a great job but Spider Woman is the book out of all three of those that uh-huh. blew my mind
1: Now two questions and these are and and first of all, Major props to you for saying how much that these books are are as good as they are. But these might be kind of pedantic questions, so please. Yeah, yeah. Okay, does Spider Gwen refer to herself, or have others refer to her as Spider Gwen, or is she Spider Woman, or Spider well, Girl? Well, she or... ends up
0: getting this wristwatch that allows her to jump from the regular Marvel universe to her mar- to, to her universe. Oh, that's handy. And so, yeah, she gets to <laughs> jump back and forth. Yeah. And honestly, it's funny. I can't remember how she got it, but yeah, she has one. Okay. And I think in the regular Marvel universe, they refer to to her once or twice as Spider Gwen. Okay. But mainly, they respect her as Spider Woman.
1: Okay. Um, Okay. She has earned that title. So she is a Spider Woman, like Miles Morales is a Spider Man.
0: Yeah. Okay. So and uh, Jessica Drew is her mentor.
1: No kidding. Yeah. Okay.
0: So whenever she feels lost and confused, she'll hop over to the regular Marvel universe, okay? Sit down for lunch with with Jessica Drew and say, "I've got X, Y, and Z going on and I don't even know what to do here." And that's and when she can step Drew, in. Drew,
1: who's in her mid-30s and uh-huh. uh, you know, assumptively, yeah. um, you know, can drop some uh Obi-Wan style uh, feedback Absolutely, to her. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Jessica Drew Is a character I love, and I loved her from Bendis' run in New Avengers because, goddamn, him and Finch were right. She does have the best hair in comics. (laughs) Uh, But no, I I I remember being a kid and picking up a couple issues of the Spider Woman comic, and what I loved about it was is because it was very um, uh, centered around her business with Shield, and Shield wasn't getting it it wasn't getting a lot of a lot of play and a lot of you know you would see them as the you know, police overlords over the superheroes of the continuity, but you wouldn't get into the business of S.H.I.E.L.D. so much. Well, her boyfriend was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. She was a former HYDRA agent. Uh, She did work for S.H.I.E.L.D. occasionally, and it was kind of cool. So I remember that of Spider-Woman, but I really came to love Spider-Woman. After her joining the new Avengers and what came out from that and in C- in C- um, uh, Secret Invasion.
0: Now, the one thing I will say, I really, well, I did enjoy, uh, I did enjoy Bendis doing his stuff with Spider Woman mm-hmm. and his series Spider Woman Origin. Him oh, yeah, and Brian that was, Reed did. Yep. That was
1: great. Spider- wasn't it Spider Woman Agent of Sword?
0: The, he did that with Alex Maliev. That's later, right. That's and right. that was also great. Yeah. But, the thing I can say about Dennis Hopeless and Javier Rodriguez's uh-huh. run, they don't retread that at all.
1: That's fantastic.
0: And this is completely, like, they make a reference here and there of, like, yeah, I had a fucked up childhood. <laughs> but they don't retread that at all, which is, uh, in modern comics,
1: oh, is, God. is
0: really a, 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 How much an did, applaudable feat.
1: Yeah, because they anytime they 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 decide, let's bring this character out of the dugout, what do they do? We spend an entire issue uh, flashing back on the backstory of, the, of this character and seeing whatever drove him or her into becoming a superhero and all the travails. And and oh while God. I like
0: Silk, the, almost the whole series from the minute they introduced her excuse me, to um, the post-Secret Wars relaunch has been about her origin and where she comes from. And, okay. And and while it's good, I really feel like that holds it back from, from being great.
1: Yeah, I uh, mean, because
0: we're I think sixteen issues into the current series, okay, and the whole thing spoiler uh, has revolved around her search for her parents, and I
1: thought they were dead. No. Oh, well, comics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she just doesn't know where they are. Okay. And
0: so she ends up searching for them and finding them. But, I mean, this whole thing roots back to her origin. Okay. Um, and uh, the, the thing I really enjoyed about Spider-Woman is, is it doesn't touch her, her, her origin a whole lot, at okay. all, if at all. Yeah. And focuses on the current. Um, so, yeah, they're my, those are three, I'd say, are my solid honorable
1: mentions. Hey, those are cool. Now, let's... Uh, and honestly, you know, I, I'll be honest. I, I didn't jump on the bandwagon. I wasn't pleased with the kind of way that they brought in Peter Parker post-Secret War. Um, I haven't
0: enjoyed that book since probably... Since Dan Slott took over with Big Time.
1: Yeah, I, I tried. We're and we're talking and,
0: probably this point seven eight years yeah. ago and now, i haven't enjoyed spider-man
1: i i think that dan slott is a is is a quality writer i i just don't like and his his ideas don't hold any resonance with me um i remember dan slott writing mighty avengers b- that's the only da- that
0: and avengers initiative are the only books i've right. ever enjoyed from Dan. Slott. uh his
1: mighty avengers where they brought back the thought balloon. Uh, was, I thought, fantastic throwback superhero comics. Yeah, Turning, and
0: having Thor, or not Thor, uh, Hercules on the team,
1: uh, with Amadeus Cho. Ares in the Mighty Avengers.
0: He was, that was Bendis' run. Uh, was it slots run slot took
1: over after Bendis? Yeah, and oh, you're had, right, you're right, you're right. He
0: had U- US agent on the team. Yep, he had a really eclectic team. That's when you had uh, uh Hank Pym Hank leading Pym. it as the Wasp, which is right. my favorite incarnation of Hank Pym.
1: Uh, you know what, it's up there for me, but I mean, I remember Steve Englehart doing uh, Yellow Jacket, so yeah. you know, that for me is mine, but Wasp is a close number two. Um and then seeing uh um uh, what was it eternity name him, Hank Pym the scientist supreme of yes, the six one six awesome and I want to see Dan Slott do something other than Spider Man he's been on that train for a while I would love to see him do something like another team book or or just pick another character
0: well I know he's doing uh, Silver Surfer right now yeah
1: he is and and I'm enjoying that to a point um. Didn't make my honorable mentions because it's down the list for me. But uh, you know, I just like to see him do more things, you know, than just Spider-Verse kind of stuff. So uh that's that's really cool. Now what about your number five?
0: I don't have a number five.
1: But I thought we but, already but, but but we were but we were doing a top five show.
0: It's uh Okay, my, my number five Marvel book is an empty slot. So Marvel writers, you can message us and mail me a book if you really give a shit about having me plug your book as the top five. Uh, just mail us and I'll I'll read it and then I'll be like, yeah, it's my number five book or not.
1: Okay, so the number five has a has a, a for rent sign over it. it, it does right now. it really does.
0: I if, if I had time uh, to catch up with uh, with books, I feel like Doctor Strange probably would be higher on the list. That was a book I fell off on. Yeah, um, Miss Marvel was a book I fell off Same on. Same here. Same and, here. And uh, these are books that are fantastic books and some of the cream of the crop of Marvel, but I just don't have time to catch up with them right well, now. Well, hey, that's... Just,
1: a, that's life. That's It is, and that's a fair call-out. So uh, send us some free stuff, Marvel. Yeah. Please... You want to say please?
0: Uh, I just thought about it. they don't even send their creators fucking like they, like packages. They don't or do comps because they, they were they do limited comps.
1: Limited comps because back in the day the creators were selling them on eBay. So yeah,
0: so it's that's it, kind of a I thing. doubt. If they're not giving their creators a whole lot of doubt, they're gonna give us shit.
1: You're right. Well, well, they may give us shit,
0: but that's about it.
1: Yeah, they might send a lump of poo to us. So yeah. who knows? Um, I'm sure that uh, Axel Alonzo's is working on that right yeah. now as we <laughs> yeah. speak. Um, so number four, Jim. Number four. My number four book is by is uh, by a creator that I know gets enough credit, but seems to come under the radar. So he gets credit from critical circles, but doesn't write you know best selling books. And that's a guy named, by the name of Canadian boy by the name of Jeff Lemire, and. Oh. You Jeff Lemire's fantastic. Jeff Lemire, Jeff Lemire. Um, so, however, you nerds out there, fellow nerds out there, pr- pronounce it, it's all good, I think. Um, he writes just some fantastic books. And uh, the book I'm that,
0: really curious as to what this is going to be. This
1: is going to be Moon Knight. Okay. And I really am down with That's Moon Knight. That's another
0: book I fell off on, but I really fucking enjoyed the first story arc.
1: I missed about four issues because of my heavy workload at the, at the real job. But um, I'm I'm fastly catching up, fastly catching up. I'm catching up as fast as I can right now. I'm going to use the Queen's English. Um, his run on Moon Knight, uh, he's up to what issue ten, eleven right now. Something I like think that. Yeah, I think that. I didn't think anybody could replace Warren Ellis, and honestly, nobody can replace Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis does few bucks, but when he does it, he does it with impact just look at varger nidalon over at dynamite comics for, for his james bond. bond um it turned james i mean he took the literary bond not the movie bond the literary thug james bond who 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 just becomes broken and battered and still despite how much you try to break him he is an engine of chaos that, yeah. <laughs> that destroys things um he, uh, a few years ago, did a Moon Knight Rebirth, you could say. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Him and
0: Declan Shalvey.
1: Oh, God, isn't Declan Shalvey a hell of an artist?
0: I I don't, I, as sad as this is, yeah. I don't buy a whole lot of Marvel books. Yeah. Because I have the Marvel Digital Unlimited. Oh, okay. Um
1: that's Fun. a way hey, by the way, kids, we don't judge. If if you like digital, read digital.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, we also like we have Adam and I have each have our own favorite local brick and mortar comic book shops. Yep. Um, go to your favorite comic book stores, but overall, read comics no matter how you consume them. Um, and pay for them. And pay for I, and them. And while I
0: don't buy Marvel Comics, I buy the Marvel Digital Unlimited. Yep. And even though I'd, I'd read Moon Knight on there, I actually went out and physically picked up the first trade and plopped down my yep. 16, 17 bucks because that's how much I enjoyed it.
1: When I enjoy a book, I mean, I, write, I read primarily digital um, just to get my monthly fix in because, I, I I mean, here I am deep into my 40s at this point. I still haven't been able to shake the weekly fix. So, Comixology, owned by Amazon, uh, scratches that particular itch for me. I
0: just hadn't. I just. I just. Something just hit me.
1: Yeah. You. You. You work for a
0: big company. Yep. Do. Uh, does your connections with this big company uh, get you any discounts with Comixology?
1: I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, full disclosure: I do work for for a company that might be called might, that that might rhyme with. Blamazon, Amazon, um, but no, I don't get any discounts on on Comixology or anything okay. like that. I was just it just hit I, me. I was like, I wonder are, if that's a perk. That's, that a, you that's get. the first time I've ever mentioned where I might work on a podcast. So thank you for putting me on the spot there. Well, I was,
0: I was trying to say it's big an company, interesting. No, but and you know.
1: It, but it wouldn't take a genius to figure out, yeah. you know, you asking if I get a discount on comicsology books, yeah. uh, to figure out where I am. But I do work on the fulfillment side. Um, well,
0: you can edit I, this I, all out. So.
1: Yeah, no, I won't. You know, we yeah. it, it, it the only thing that that goes out is like feet that gets edited out is like feedback and burps and stuff like that. Okay. You know, so. Um, Adam burps about eighteen times an episode, so we. Oh, got I to... just
0: cracked my knuckles earlier, and I'm, yeah, so... I'm I'm like, oh man, he's probably gonna have to edit that out, right?
1: But um, no, but what I do is I I get my monthly hit uh, through Comicsology. Um, I've tried Marvel Unlimited before, but there's just I I remember reading all of them, you know. <laughs> you That's know?
0: understandable. Just I just they the, do the six ones that I like. They do six months behind, right. and so that's how I've been able to catch up on some books. Right,
1: and I haven't, they don't have enough of the Deep Cup stuff for me just yet. They have a lot, don't get me wrong.
0: I'm looking at him like he's crazy because they're they adding stuff all the they time.
1: They are adding stuff all the time, and I know that when I get, like, if I need to read John Burns' Astonishing Tales two issue Ant Man Scott Lang origin story, I know I can get that in Marvel Unlimited. Um, but. Anyway, you know I read comicsology digitally, but I always go to my favorite local comic book store for for a series of books that I always want to return to. So yeah, I that's I get a trades. lot of mine
0: is I do re, like I'll purchase a single issue if I know I'm going to reread it.
1: Yeah, but I'll I'll get the trades, you know. And right now, like I read um, they had a sale on Sheriff of Babylon, so I got the first issue for a buck ninety nine. Nice, and because I it. it Passed me when it was on the stands, or when it first came out, and uh, I read the first issue and said, "Shit, I want to read the whole thing." You know, uh, Tom King, Mitch Gerads from uh, Punisher, and um, he, did Pun-
0: he did He did. He started out with Nathan Edmondson. Nathan
1: Edmondson on an image book called The Activity. No, I was that I'm saying, a,
0: I think it was the activity. It I was, and sure.
1: I'm a you know I'm a big intelligence and military novel fan. And talk about an itch being scratched. That okay. book, I hope they reunite for a third volume of Activity or a fourth volume, I think, okay. of Activity. That's such a great military intelligence thriller. Um, but anyway, so they're a great team on that book. So I'm going to read Sheriff of Babylon. I've decided exclusively in trades because it reads that well.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: you know, maybe we'll t- do another episode on our favorite trade purchases yeah. and stuff like that. Um but anyway, where were we going with that? I, I realized that that was a tangent and a half. That was We've a just, huge tangent. So um, let me get back to my number four
0: pick. I was about to say number four is where. Number we four were
1: is going. Moon Knight. And Jeff and Lamont, That's
0: right. We were going. Okay. We were talking, talking about, about the trade, the uh, tra- Moon Knight
1: trade. The Moon Knight trades. Um, I didn't think somebody could follow up Warren Ellis's run on that. Uh, and then someone followed up his run on that. And uh, I'm
0: going to say, I mean, Brian Wood is one of my top favorite yeah. writers. So whenever he came on that, I I personally thought his run was only like a, a nanometer below one. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, same here.
1: Same here. Brian Wood was fantastic. And uh, go ahead. I'm and sorry. And
0: so, yeah, whenever Lemire came on, I thought that his, um, I, th- I felt like he, should have been, I no hate to Colin Bunn. I felt like he should have been the predecessor or the, I don't know. The, the right one hardest. who took over yeah, after, Brian, after Wood. Brian Wood. And you
1: know what? Colin Bunn's run on Moon Knight, I really enjoyed. You know, I just, it's, is it one of my favorite comics of the last five years? No. I enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, and, and I loved it for what it was. You know, he told mostly done in one stories, um just like uh, Warren Ellis did. And he, he he had some good art on the book, and, you know, he, he made good comics. They weren't, again... That you know, was
0: the thing that I felt like I kept taking steps down from Lauren yeah. Ellis. And as I said, while Brian Wood was barely a step down, yeah. with Cullen Bunn, I have not read enough stuff by him that I've enjoyed. yeah that I was just I I didn't I honestly didn't
1: give that a chance. Fair enough. And and I liked it, so maybe it's worth, you know, when yeah, it hits I, unlimited, yeah. uh take a look at it. I really thought it was it was worthy. Again, you know, we're taking those one one step down mm-hmm. the the staircase into the basement, and that's when you yeah. quit a book, right? Mm-hmm. So, Warren else at the top of the flight of stairs, then one step you got Brian Brian Wood, and then the next step you got Cullen Bunn. But then we take a step back up,
0: mm-hmm. yes, with
1: Jeff Lemire
0: and Greg Smallwood. Oh and, my gosh!
1: And now a whole host of creators.
0: Oh, Stokos come on there. Stoke,
1: I mean, now they're telling the story. Well, I'm in the story right now, where Mark Spector is 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 trying to reconcile the three different facets of his personality, and you don't even know it because it's in such gonzo. Um, 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 what do you call it? Not paradox, but that, I mean, it's, it's paradoxical, the, the stories. There's like a noir storyline drawn by Frank, Francesco Francavia, who is, his Black Beetle stuff over at Dark Horse is, is a personal favorite of mine. So he's writing the noir Jake Lockley tale. And then you get James Stoko who's writing... Is he doing like a futuristic... He's doing the futuristic... Okay, check this out. In the future... Werewolves have taken over the Earth, and the last vestiges of humanity are protected by starfighter pilots called the Moon Knights. They're based on the moon, flying crescent-shaped starships. God, I need to catch up with this book. I want a book just about that because it is the most awesome thing. Oh my God.
0: (laughs) And that's such a cool throwback to his origin with Werewolf by Night and all that shit. Oh,
1: yeah. And then Greg Smallwood is writing um, uh, Stephen, er, excuse me, not writing, but drawing the Stephen Grant portion where he is a director of an MCU style Moon Knight film.
0: Yeah, I got to catch up with that. And these
1: are all different. I'm not going to spoil it, but you don't know which one is real. But in the the latest issue, you see them being confronted by by Mark Spector. Not the Mark Spector of who's the the Starfighter pilot, but the Mark Spector with the broken nose that was left over in his Mr. Warren Ellis three-piece white suit. Oh, okay. At at the end of issue six. And uh, he's like, hey, everybody. Hey, guys, we need to talk. And that's where I left off. And
0: yeah, I really got to
1: get on that. And Jeff Lemire decided that he's going to go there, okay? Whereas Warren Ellis told a story about a guy who's definitely crazy, who definitely talks to himself, but thinks that he's talking to the, the moon god, Khonshu, uh, who has three distinct outfits for three distinct um, uh, portfolios of uh, of Khonshu, you know, protecting travelers by night, protecting the mysteries, or whatever the third one was. You know, where he was going to tell three different kinds of Moon Knight stories, but that I'm going to tell a superhero story here and a noir story there and and a superhero story over there. I mean, it, it's...
0: I'm going to be honest. I yeah. felt like Warren Ellis's, um, and I mean this as a compliment. Sure. Warren Ellis's, his Moon Knight run yeah. was like writing a high-functioning, uh, well-put-together Rorschach.
1: yeah. No, and I think that's a fair call, especially with the Mister Knight air quotes yep. surrounding it persona, him being driven around in a white uh, driverless limousine. Yeah, <laughs> it's just because the other Moon Knight, it'd be illegal for him to consult on this case. This yeah. is, a you know, yeah, I, I love that version. Warren Ellis just, I mean, he just went for it. But and they continue
0: a lot of this type of, and that's pretty cool. You said they went there, so they're reconciling. All these persons, Yeah, and, I, and
1: there's two issues that I'm behind on. But I'm telling you what, Jeff Lemire, who has written some fantastic books in the, in, in the past, and in in not too distant past, mm-hmm. okay? Like, I enjoyed his Hawkeye run with Ramon um, uh, Perez uh, that he did. I, I thought if anybody was going to follow up Matt Fraction, David Aja's Hawkeye, you know, you got to give them points for balls. Yeah, I to, started
0: to... to read it and... Um... I had some issues with how much flashback there was.
1: It, You know what? There was no way that he could follow Fraction and Aha. Uh-huh. There's just no way. Yeah. You know, so credit where credit is due, he, he went a completely different direction with it. But I really feel like with Moon Knight, that he's able to get into the psychology of a broken man... Who is also a superhero?
0: And I feel like that's Lamar's be- best mo- book since he's come over to Marvel. It
1: really has been. It really has been. While I enjoyed the look and the issues of Hawkeye, because I got to see Hawkeye stretch out a little bit more yeah. after after waiting so long for the finale, um, I I God, I hope he stays on Moon Knight forever. Um, I want to see this book continue. But if they also if they choose to close this series out with with Mark Spector reconciling who he is, who he was, and who he will be, um, I'm cool with that too. You know, if it tells a complete beginning, middle, and end. Um, Lemire's Moon Knight, um, just absolutely phenomenal book, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. Greg Smallwood, I mean, His,
0: <laughs> the first issue of that, I remember I was reading through. And I went to look. I was like, oh, okay, well, who else did art with Greg Smallwood? Because there's some Sienkiewicz-level stuff in there. Right. And he switches his art style, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, obviously, they brought somebody on to help. And I'm looking, and I just see, nope, Greg Smallwood, just the artist, Greg Smallwood. The, uh, and yeah. I'm like, holy Fuck this man yeah. is diverse and he has more talent than anybody's ever given him credit you're, you're for.
1: You're damn straight. You're damn straight. And you know, having guys like James uh, Stoko and uh, uh, Francesco Francavilla come on your book, that doesn't suck either. No, no. no. And it, it's and it's also organic. God damn. Yeah. I just I know I, I was kind of closing out my previous statement on number four, but I just can't say it enough. That book is an experimental book done by Marvel right now, and it is working. So, uh, again, that's my number four book. So uh, I'm going to take a drink of water while you go over your number four book.
0: Okay, my number four book is, uh, you're going to see Bendis a lot on this list, and that's simply because I feel like, whether it's good or not, Bendis writes bite-sized books that I can read very quickly and don't require a whole lot of thought. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It no. takes me someplace else that is a very fluent and smooth ride a lot of yep. the time. Yep. And sometimes it's, it's just kind of, it's fluent and smooth and I'm just kind of like, well, that was meh. Uh, <laughs> or there's times where I'm, it's fluent and smooth and I'm like, oh, well, that was, that was a good 20 minutes of my life for wh- however you long go. T- it took to read it. Um. And I've read this since Marvel Now started um, Invincible Iron Man.
1: Oh, okay. Um, yeah.
0: I loved his first five issues with David Marquez. Uh, I feel like that storyline was some of the best stuff of his career. It really was. And then he comes on and does Civil War II stuff. And I feel like it just completely interrupted the flow of the book. Um, it They introduce... Rai Rai, Ruri, however you yeah, say Yeah, Riri Williams. Yeah, they introduce her, and I felt like it was one of the most clunky first appearances. They do this whole storyline of, of is Tony Stark dead or he's faking his death. There's some bullshit, and I, I okay. completely killed the book for me. But now they've they've restarted it with her as as Ironheart as the main character. Okay. And uh that's been fun t- to watch. And okay. um he does a great job, just like he did with Miles Morales, uh-huh. of creating a uh, character that has history, depth, and, and a good heart. Somebody that you just want to root for.
1: You know, that's a book, Civil War II. I'm not going to get on too much. Well, this might create a tangent. I don't know. I'll let you be the judge of that out, out in the listening audience. Um, I skipped out. I I just could not do it. You lucky
0: fucking bastard. (laughs) You lucky fucking
1: bastard. I I read the first issue of it, and I said, you know what? To me, I get the idea of the conflict, but they didn't execute, I think, very well on just the sheer stakes of the disagreement in the superhero community. And honestly, let's be on. Okay. Honestly, let's be honest. Let's be honest with each other here. Um, they did civil war two to capitalize on captain America civil war coming out without without a doubt. And that's the, they
0: couldn't have telegraphed that more.
1: Now, Marvel's owned by Disney. DC is owned by Warner brothers, or I should say time Warner, the conglomerate, which owns Warner brothers. Um, there's a difference between the two, okay? Time Warner doesn't insist that Batman-Superman fight in the regular runs of their comics when Batman versus Superman, no matter what you say about that movie, they didn't insist that they, that they cross them over and have them beat the shit out of each other. Even
0: in the Batman-Superman book proper.
1: Right, okay? They didn't do that. There was no corporate interference in that. And who knows? Maybe Disney just said... Do whatever you want to do. In fact, they probably did because they're such a large mega corporation, right? But somebody at Marvel or somebody up the chain said, we need to capitalize on the words civil and war and let's have another civil war in the Marvel comics.
0: Now, the other day, or not the other day, Uh, even before they announced this, and I saw it coming from a mile away. Sure. I I think we all did. I ran through, I was just like, who would be a worthy successor? Because Mark Miller, I'd actually watched an interview with him where he talked about what a headache it was coordinating a big event like that. Right. And which, it was pretty interesting. It was like five minutes or something like that, but he brought up stuff I'd never even thought of. Interesting. And uh, just having to read... Literally, everybody scripts and fix stuff and send notes back to editors.
1: So he had to work. So you're saying that essentially, Mark Miller had to work as kind of a coordinating editor, without the title, just so that he could write the original Civil War mm-hmm. book. Yep. Okay.
0: And um, and I don't know if that's what Bendis has done for like his crossover books or mm-hmm. anything, but I don't envy anybody in that position. Yeah. Because that that's gonna. Take energy away from the creative process. Yeah, and um, and I thought to myself, I said, who would be a worthy successor to do Civil War II? And in my head, I'm going, the only guy on par with that's Bendis. That's going to be their go to guy. They have to pick Bendis because there's no other writer right now that can step up and fill fill those shoes. Right now, I didn't think it was going to be. I also knew. For me personally, Bendis' track record on big events is, I think he's 0 for 5 right now with me. Whatever, whatever number uh, Civil War II was, he's 0 for that many.
1: Well, I, I did not care for the premise of Civil War. Um, I understand that, that, cor- that somebody in the Marvel chain of command, <coughs> I, I Perlmutter, um, probably is the guy responsible for supplanting the mutants with the Inhumans. I love the Inhumans. I just p- went to a comic book convention. I picked up Fantastic Four 81, 82, which features wow. original, original Kirby. I mean, it's, it's not in great condition, but I mean, it's Johnny Storm going out with Crystal. Okay. And then running into the rest of the Inhuman royal family. You know? Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. good shit, right? I love the Inhumans. I love the characters. I'm looking forward to the IMAX co-produced Inhuman short run series that's going to be on ABC next year which is going to debut in movie theaters. It's got Black Bolt, Medusa, Karnak. It's going to have the fucking lockjaw in it. You know, I mean, it's going to be great, right? But they haven't given the Inhumans the time. Like, they had to go big with the Inhumans right away, whereas the X-Men had the chance to start small. And, you know...
0: If I didn't feel like I feel
1: like the Inhumans are being forced down my throat, that uh, was
0: exactly what I was okay. about to say. I you literally took the words out of my mouth. I would probably enjoy the Inhuman stuff a whole lot more if I didn't feel like this franchise was being forced into my eyeballs and down my throat.
1: Right? You know, and 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 look, Charles, and I feel it
0: doesn't feel organic at all. No,
1: look, Charles Soule, I've already complimented for his run on Daredevil. I cannot, in good conscience, say that. And it might not be all his fault either. I mean, for all we know, editorials is up his backside on you know it too. You know what?
0: Probably because Matt Fraction was originally originally to do that, yep. and he backed out of Fantastic Four, FF, and that Inhuman book all within the same. He general pretty much vicinity. said
1: he just said Fraction out of Mar-, you know to Marvel at one point. Yeah, and and he finished like a pro. He finished his Hawkeye stuff after he said Fraction out and he was done and you know kudos to him for being able to cut the court um charles soul he he's decided that he wants you know who is also a practicing attorney yeah. for his day job is writing like three or four books a month for marvel you know that's a pretty mm-hmm. dedicated not to professional mention his guy. own stuff and not to mention books like letter 44 and whatnot you like know curse words curse words um, you know, he's a guy who's out there doing the job of a comic book writer. Well, his stuff is not resonating with me because of the editorial spin that the direction that the entirety of the Inhumans uh, subworld, for lack of a better term, uh, imprint. Because now you know we got Ms. Marvel. We've got two Inhumans books. Uh, Mosaic is one of them. them. Uh, Uh, Moon Girl and
0: Devil Dinosaur.
1: Uncanny Avengers. You know, I mean,
0: you mean Uncanny Inhumans?
1: Well, no, the 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 Uncanny Avengers book. Yeah. That was recently replaced by U.S. Avengers. Yeah. They were a big piece. There was Inhumans in that one as well. Which, of course, you have to have an Inhuman and an X Man hate each other because now we have IVX um I'm which sound which sounds like a sexually transmitted disease it really if you does. if you do you have IBX yeah. call this number to take part in a clinical trial i mean yeah. it's it's yeah. okay so back okay so I, look i know i took you way off track but you know civil war was was you know and look bendis i love secret invasion i love the audacity of secret invasion I love I you know I'm sitting here shaking you're shaking your head and and you, you know what it it might be a difference in things I mean I love the fact that um, Mockingbird wasn't dead um, I got my Mockingbird back I got I got uh, some interesting stories out of it uh, it created a very weird time in Marvel comics with the Dark Times books um, you know uh that's but but I am agreeing with you Insofar as he's definitely lost more than he's won, you know, on a win loss record. So, you know, anyway, that that's my spiel on Civil War. Let's get you know,
0: anyway, sidetrack yeah, I I, like that book.
1: I just feel like Anything that's spun from Civil War to me is is dead tissue at this point, but
0: which okay, I can see why you would not want to check out this book for that reason alone. yeah because um, their whole way of spoilers their whole way of bringing Tony spark Tony Stark in is through uh, having him become her AI.
1: Wait what Tony Stark is Tony Stark is, dead?
0: Uh, no, he's in suspended animation of some sort. Oh, it's it's a weird. They didn't have the balls to kill him because I think they knew their story sucked or something. I don't know, oh, but they pretty much just hang, put him in a stasis. Hang on. I got to rub
1: my eyes while you're talking to me now.
0: They they put him in some type of stasis tube at the end of Civil War Two after his big battle with Miss Marvel. Uh huh. And so now you he's mean
1: Captain Marvel.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right, Captain yeah. Carol Danvers. Carol Danvers. Captain Marvel. Um
1: character I love.
0: Yes, yes. I yeah, I got mad love for that character. She also too. has great hair. That is and, and it changes. <laughs> it, it changes. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um but anyway. Yeah, so so the big battle there and and so Tony Stark is now Riri Williams's uh AI. Okay. Um, which is kind of cool. Um but at the same time, it, he provides the AI and mentorship. And um, personally, from my taste, I would like to see her try to struggle on her own without yeah. any guidance for a
1: little bit. Do you think that, okay, because I, I read Invincible Iron Man, I, I love the run going up until Civil War. Um, for me, is, is that a book that's not only new reader friendly, but non-Civil War reader friendly? I
0: would say yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Absolutely, it very much reminds me of. Um, it, it's very much he picks up after the whole uh, the, Miles Morales after the death of Spider-Man in okay. the Ultimate Universe, where that was a big event, yeah. and then they brought in Miles Morales, and um, and you didn't need to really know anything. Okay. Going into it, and that's that's how this book is, and it, it, it's a fun book. I like it. Uh, Stefano Casali uh, is oh
1: he's he's great. great.
0: Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's a solid book.
1: Cool. Um, I'm going to go with my number three book, and uh, it's a book that I have to say full disclosure on. I'm behind four issues on this book, but I think it still bears repeating, and this is where I was really going to get into the diversity um, argument here for Marvel Comics and how I feel like they're doing a great job in this one area you know, of editorial, and that is um, the current Black Panther book, it's not Black Panther and the crew. It's the Black Panther book, ta Coates, and uh, originally Brian Stelfreeze. I understand Chris Sprouse is now the artist they, on it.
0: They, it looks like they swap back and forth. It's alternating arcs. Okay.
1: Thing. Well, first of all, Stelfreeze in. I love Brian Stelfreeze. He's
0: great, yeah.
1: And I have loved Chris Sprouse since, I don't know if you remember this book, but DC did a six-issue non DC continuity sci fi book called Hammer Hammerhead. I think. Uh, I don't, I don't have no clue what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it, it's it It was a book, it's where I discovered his artwork. I can't even okay. remember, but it was a non continuity book. I
0: didn't know his stuff until like I was flipping through quarter bins of Legion of Superheroes.
1: Oh, yeah, which you know wasn't very good, but it had Chris Sprouse artwork yeah, in yeah. it, so you had to read it. Yeah, or I mean, that's what I did anyway. Anyway, um. So we're getting two of whom I think are some of the most quality illustrators in the, in the business are. On, on a in,
0: regular book. On a
1: regular book. And then Tom Nasty Coates, who is a National Book Award winner, a guy who uh, has primarily written nonfiction. Um, I'm not as familiar with his fiction works. Um, but a guy who I've heard uh, and read opinion pieces by um, does something with Black Panther that I didn't think could be done, and that is create a Black Panther book that is so far on the other side of what Christopher Priest did with the title years ago. Another shout out to Christopher Priest. Read his Deathstroke book. Okay. Just just if you're not reading Deathstroke, this is two episodes in a row where you're being told to go out and get Deathstroke. He's Any,
0: talking to me too. I gotta start that book.
1: Death is the shit. Um, but I am I, I have to say, Tom Assey Coates. Uh, has been a political co- and cultural commentator. Uh, you saw him when the Black Lives Matter protests broke out. That he was a regular guest on multitude of of media outlets, and uh, he is a really interesting, smart, and 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 just deep voice, intellectual voice. Not like James Earl Jones, but I mean, yeah. he's yeah. he's got this this this. He has. An understanding of messaging from a marketing perspective. He has an understanding of empowerment. He has an understanding of what power means. He has an understanding of how power corrupts and these are all themes that play themselves out in Black Panther. We see the nation of Wakanda and how it operates as the technologically most advanced nation on the planet surpassing the United States of America um, and how it operates, uh, why a a country so advanced would opt for a monarchy. Uh, Okay. (laughs) um, It gets into these topics of why a monarchy? Why shouldn't, if it's as elevated as it is, why shouldn't all the people have a say in these things? Um, It's because that Wakanda, as wonderful and advanced as it is, is a country just like any other country, where there are ethnic minorities, there are religious minorities, there are there are people on the outside There's a lot of more the power. Tribal
0: minorities, I noticed.
1: Tribal minorities, and um, that you know, history is written by the victor, is, yeah. is how the old saying goes. And this is not to say that T'Challa or his father T'Chaka or any of the Black Panthers before them. Are, are terrible people. But decisions are made by, you know, political decisions are made by political people. And some, and not all decisions are going to be loved. And this is a story of the fomenting of a revolution in the most advanced culture on the earth. And um, it does so with some, uh, I think, really poetic storytelling at times. Some richly developing su- developed sport- supporting cast. Uh, like I believe it's not his mother, but one of his father's consorts.
0: Uh, is, it's it's a, it's an ex or not an ex. It's a widow.
1: It's a it's one of his widows because he yeah. he had a polygamous marriage, um, which is totally cool in in Wakandan society. You know, so hey, if, if you can support five families, go right ahead. Uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, but he uh, uh, you know created a a, a real culture to Wakanda. It wasn't just this place of vibranium source, you know, it wasn't just, um, you know, it wasn't just a place that supplies Black Panther with his equipment to, uh, or his finances to go out and fight crime on an international basis. He's really gotten into the, the body politic of a society like this and uh, brings to it a, a, a segment of what's being written in science fiction under the term Afrofuturism, uh, which is a a new movement. Uh, you can almost say that was like, um, started by, by voices like Octavia Butler back in the day. And some of the great, um, um, I'm blanking on his name. Um, but there are a lot of black voices in science fiction. So it has that kind of element to him. Um, um, Fuck! Why can't I remember that science fiction author's name? I, I just, I tell you, kids, Adam's here to keep me straight on I on have, comics knowledge. He doesn't know what I'm talking about have right no now. No clue. I'm also a science fiction reader. Oh yeah. And um, but anyway, so it it has that sense of of you know hope and optimism of of a people that's not you know that that Africa is a mess politically, geopolitically. And this is the one country which keeps it cool. The one country in all of Africa, which is in the Marvel Universe, so it's fictional, but that has never been invaded by the white man and was allowed to develop on its own alongside is, the rest of the Atlantis
0: world. Is Atlantis considered a white man? Because in uh, Avengers no. vs. X-Men, uh, definitely Atlantis invaded the fuck out of them.
1: Yeah, they did. Um, no, Atlantis are mostly blue people. Okay. Um, uh, Prince Namor is Caucasian because of his, his, get this, his human father.
0: Yeah, I just wasn't sure if they yeah. considered that white or not.
1: But. No, they're blue.
0: But, yeah, I guess since they're mostly blue.
1: They're Mostly blue. Yeah,
0: I hadn't thought of that. Yeah,
1: so... Um. It's you know, not
0: like the DCU where Atlantis and
1: they're all white they're people. They're all white people. Well, now yeah. they're not, but well, they're, they're not <laughs> now. They're mostly white people. Let's be honest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I tried that book, and it really wasn't for me. I didn't feel like Stelfreeze was at his best. Okay, um, I felt like he was a little too ink heavy in parts, hmm. um, and the book just didn't. It didn't do anything for me. Okay. I wasn't really interested. Uh, in the, po- you know, it may have been too political heavy for me, where I just didn't care, and I didn't feel like he did anything to in that first issue to really try to establish why I should.
1: Okay, and I think that's why I like it is because of how political it is, and that there is something to this country other than being this magical fantasy land where where Black Panther comes from. Uh, they they've really created a history and a mythology and a, like I said, a body politic. Yeah. And, and and I've said it before, I'm interested in matters of politics. And, and for me
0: stuff. for me too, it may just be my preference towards like character-driven stories because I feel like there's not a lot of... Uh, the the closest we got was at the end of issue one where, um, from what I read, at the end of issue one where he sees his sister trapped inside of whatever the fuck she's trapped inside of.
1: Yeah, it I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody because they're getting into that in the issues that I haven't read yet. Um, and then the two... Uh,
0: that was another thing that threw me off was the Dora Milaje... Dora
1: mm-hmm. uh, Dora Milaje or something yeah, like that.
0: They set them up as uh, as lovers. Uh,
1: These are the two renegade ones that you're speaking yeah, about. They're they're the for those that are not reading the Black Panther book. Uh, the king has a group of all female warrior bodyguards. Yeah, called the Dora Milaje. I'm gonna. I'm sure I am butchering yeah. the pronunciation of that. But but, but uh, two of them. Um. Have engaged in a a romance and uh, have left left the order, which is not a good thing to do. No, and have put themselves, you know, just by leaving, put themselves in opposition against the government.
0: And personally, I, I just after reading Priest's run, yeah, I was just like, I that's not that wasn't interesting to me. It wasn't interesting. Okay. I wanted to see. uh I wanted to see the Warriors, um, you know, uh, in their relationship with T'Challa. I didn't really care about their interpersonal
1: relationship. They show more of T'Challa's advisors and other Dora Milaje later in the run. Yeah. So um, I, I, I say this. If you're interested in futurism, um, not the kind of futurism in Iron Man, but a different different sector of futurism, industrial futurism, uh, if you're interested in politics, it's 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 part political thriller, part superhero story. So, I admit fully, it's not a book for anybody, for everybody. Um, maybe when it pops on Unlimited, maybe and if you have a, a minute, you know, try to read issues two and three to see what you think.
0: They're they're on there, I think, right now. Yeah. so I may do that
1: if you have a shot. You know, I I just. You know, again, our tastes—we, Adam and I—we've said it before. We don't read the same things, and um, you know, this is just my suggestion. If you if you have the time to read it, awesome. If not, totally understandable. I mean, that's the great thing about comics—is there's something for everybody. Yeah. So, speaking of which, what's your number three?
0: Uh, my number three is Punisher. Oh, uh, by Becky Cloonan yeah. and the
1: late Steve Dillon. You know what? I totally forgot about that book.
0: Um. The, the thing that makes me, we talked about Steve Dillon earlier. Yeah. I'm not a fan of his work 99% of the time, mm-hmm. uh, except for Punisher. And as far as, and I feel so strongly about Steve Dillon's Punisher, as far as I'm concerned, he should be right up there. He should be getting royalty payments with fucking Jerry Conway and John Romita.
1: Mike Zach also.
0: Mike Zeck was good, but he only stuck around for five issues. He doesn't have the body of work.
1: Mike Zeck created. I will say though that the that that four issue miniseries that that he drew, that that's helped what in the, in the early to mid eighties is yeah. what defined the modern Punisher.
0: Yeah, uh, C- Circle of Blood was good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Steve anyway. Dillon's work on Punisher, uh, I feel like, is the definitive Punisher. Yeah. Um, and the reason this book isn't higher on my list is because it's it's honestly been, even though there are only about two issues out, it's kind of become hard to read. It's it's made me I read it and I miss Steve Dillon, mm-hmm. and and it's not just a, I know he left because of. Uh, because he went to go do other works. It's and because we're never going to get another he, Steve Dillon Punisher. And
1: again. then he passed away. Yeah. And, uh, and that was. Talk about a crushing blow for the industry. It uh, really
0: was. And uh, for him, you know, I loved his Punisher work. I didn't like his work on Wolverine Origins, but Preacher, I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, but Preacher was, his work on Preacher was meh. In my opinion,
1: yeah, I'll give him heat for that. <laughs>
0: um, you know, but his work on Punisher, I, I feel like he's the unofficial third co creator of that character. And
1: of the modern version of that character, really. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, let's be honest him and Garth Ennis. Are the modern creators of The Punisher or the yeah. recreators? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm with you 100% of the way. And, you know, when I had to take my, my, my sabbatical from comics because of work concerns, um, I, like I said right at the beginning of what you said, um, I fell off of the book. And all of a sudden now I have this desire to buy every issue that I missed. Yeah. Because uh, Becky Clunan, dude, her voice for Frank Castle.
0: She tears it the fuck up.
1: She really does. And I think she is the best one since Garth Ennis to come on that book.
0: Yeah, for the mainstream modern Marvel Universe. I for like the
1: last decade or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and I mean, we've had Rick Remender on there. We've yep. had Matt Fraction on yep.
1: there. I like her stuff a I whole think, lot wasn't, better. Didn't Jason Aaron do some Punisher, too? This was Punisher Max. Punisher
0: Max, that's and right. and And that's why I included the mainstream Marvel Got Universe. Got it, good man. Um, because, yeah, her stuff and her villain uh, is... Is much more twisted than like ninety percent of the stuff I, I've seen out there. And it's a lot more uh, psychological serial killer.
1: Honestly, I love it. Honestly, he is a guy that the Punisher could break like a twig. Mm-hmm. If the Punisher could catch this guy, he he would just I mean, honestly, he'd fold him like a piece of paper. Yeah. But that's where the dichotomy between the two characters, this is what I remember reading: like the first three issues or yeah. so, where it's like, "Oh no, this dude, he's this guy is a chess grandmaster because he is just playing Abs- yeah, him."
0: Absolutely. And then not only that, they include this third element of uh, the uh, FBI trying right. to chase this guy, yep. and and Frank Castle trying to chase this guy, and and they always get there after Frank <laughs> Castle's made the mess, and they're like, "Fuck." We have to clean this up, and we don't have any clues on where this guy's gone. Right. Um, at the end of issue two, I'm not going to yep. spoil this. No. I refuse to spoil this. Holy... But there's a thing that I've never seen in a comic book
1: that uh, my head almost exploded. No, dude, my head... I, honest to God, you, I, you, I took the words out of your mouth earlier. You just took the words out of mine, because I remember that issue extremely well, and if you don't think... For a minute, that this can't happen in the United States in the real world. One of these days, it is, and it is not only is mind blowing; it is chilling. It is absolutely yeah. chilling. I, I I think that we would just dis- look. So many of the of our listeners have, are probably reading comics. Many of them might be reading Punisher comics. So they're like, "Spoil it, spoil it, dude! This is something." This is like telling somebody the end of the Sixth Sense, even though that movie's twenty years old. You just can't do it. If nobody, I'm, I'm not. You, you just cannot do it. But Adam, that is probably one of the best calls you've ever made on this show, right there. I mean, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and that. So yeah, that book. Um, I'm only one issue behind, just simply because uh, it's hard to. It's just I'm sad. And I guess I'm mourning Steve Dillon uh, in that sense.
1: You can't replace him.
0: No. And that, and that's the, know, that's the other thing is there's no natural placement there
1: for There really isn't. So, um, you know, shout
0: you, out to Matt Horick who filled in on issue 6. Oh, he's six. the one doing it. He did issue 6 and filled in the pages that Steve Dillon couldn't do. And if I were him, I'm not sure I would have had the balls to do that. Well, thank and, God
1: that he agreed. You and, know, and, and I mean that somebody did. that somebody agreed yeah. and and he did he did a good job. And hopefully, you know, they'll him and Clunan will be able to develop um, uh, a working relationship where you know we'll bring the best out of both yeah. creators. Yeah. Um, so
0: yeah, that's my uh, that's my number number three.
1: Well, let's uh, move up a notch here to number two, and I'm just going to say it right out. I think Champions is one of the best books that Marvel's putting out right now.
0: Wait a second, was that my number four? or Number three?
1: You didn't say anything. You didn't, you have not. That's made...
0: my number three. That's because I didn't have number five.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's how you're doing. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, my number two is Champions. Okay. And we can both talk about Champions here. And um, I,
0: that's a book I need to read. I. Oh, you
1: haven't read it yet. I
0: fell off. That
1: on was that all, was your number three book.
0: Uh, the Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. I fell off on all new, all different Avengers. Yeah. Um, I think I didn't read the last like two or three. Same so, here. So I wanted to read it and then catch up with. Mark Wade's Avengers and Mark Wade's Champions mm-hmm. and and all that. So,
1: well, I'll tell you what, Mark Wade, like I said, is is making multiple appearances today on, uh, so as to speak, on graphic content. Um, I am in love with Mark Wade all over again when I read the first issue of this book. Um, you know, I have always been drawn to teen superhero books, um, X Men in the beginning, Teen Titans. Uh, hell, I was a fan of Fabian Nicieza and Mark Bagley's <laughs> New Warriors. I loved, and and me and one of my buddies, one I got of, the w- omnibus for w- that on sale no right shit. now. No uh,
0: shit. Yeah, I might
1: need to get that.
0: It's uh, get it through your LCS because right now yeah. they're doing a a big retailer sale, so you might be able to get it for like you know thirty forty bucks.
1: That's fan. I, I might do that because New Warriors was, uh and and Bagley was on it for an insane run. And first of all, Fabian- As
0: Bagley is on all his books. I
1: mean, this dude just, I mean, is a commitment machine. I mean, he says, okay, I'm gonna do this book. You better, you're gonna need to kick him off of that book before mm-hmm. you get him to stop, yep. or he wants to. um He did this amazing run on this book, and it was early 90s Marvel, but didn't feel like early 90s Marvel. It was characters that I was like, what the fuck? Night Thrasher? Night Thrasher. This is a kid with a scream of sticks and a skateboard, and I'm supposed to be down with a kid named Night Thrasher? And Speedball? Speedball. So 90s. One of, one of Dicko's last... Cre- I think it was Dicko's last creation for Marvel. Um, uh, you know, he, his power is to bounce and to just keep drawing kinetic energy every time he hits something or somebody hits yeah. him. And I'm thinking, ah. Oh, fuck, this is, you know, and I'm looking at this issue and they debuted in the pages of Thor and Firestar was in it. And uh, um, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Vance Astro, before he became... Justice Justice was in it. And, you know, I'm thinking, wow, these are the real odd teen characters that have only made like minor appearances in various books. Fabian Nicieza, I gotta be frank, is not one of my really favorite writers. Um, He's, I think, like... He's in that on that Dan Abnett level. I was about to say he's a workman writer. Workman writer, okay? And uh, he's written some books I've I've really, really hated. Um, he was, you know, but thank God he was there for Rob Liefeld on X-Force, because otherwise there would be no story. It would just be a bunch of really steroid-juiced fools uh, with weird hair posing against each other. Um, but Fabian Nessier is a... He created a teen superhero soap opera comic book.
0: And so the Champions harkens back to this? And the
1: Champions harkens back to that. But it's Mark Wade doing the writing on this book, not Fabian Nicieza. And this is Mark Wade taking three characters that he obviously fell in absolute love with on all new, all different Avengers. So
0: that, that would be Miss Marvel? Uh, Kamala
1: Khan, Ms. Marvel.
0: Yeah, um... Miles Morales. Spider-Man. And, and Sam Alexander Nova. Yes.
1: And I, I, I mean, I, I'm an old school Richard Rider Nova fan who was also in the New Warriors back in the day. Yeah, yeah and right. And uh, <laughs> under the awful name Kid Nova, thank God the NissiAs have changed that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but those three characters were my favorite characters in All New, All Different uh, Avengers. Um, I, I couldn't... Feel my way into the vision, or 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 Falcon uh, Cap. Thor, Falcon Cap. You know what I mean, female Fem Thor. You
0: know what? The, I, I did like the female Thor, uh, Falcon Cap relationship. I thought that, that was, was one of the more You're right. interesting aspects You're of right. the
1: book. And it's been so long since I've read it, but you kind of kicked a memory up there. But I'll tell you what: the idea that these three kids would say, "You know what? Fuck the Avengers." You know, I mean. Which
0: for Kamala Khan, that's huge. Because she's such a
1: fangirl.
0: Yeah, if you read her book, she's constantly, I mean, even before she becomes a superhero, she's all about. Being uh, all about the Avengers and oh. and almost like she's watched all the MCU movies and is a huge fan of that stuff. In fact, in and many
1: ways plays our voice. Our voice is the reader. Absolutely, She is our voice in the 616.
0: Which is what's, I think, part of what has made her such a breakout character.
1: Absolutely. And for
0: her to just step in and be like, nah, nah, I'm not no, about we're this. De-
1: this, is, this is all wrong. You You guys are fighting over what? You know, it's like these three kids who ostensibly were told to pick a side said, no, we're not going to pick a side. And
0: they pick their own side.
1: They pick their own side. And they say, you know what? You guys go ahead and have your fights and bullshit about, you know, what's philosophically right or wrong. We'll be over here saving everyday people like you should be doing right now. And you talk about the wisdom of youth, right? Mm -hmm. The the wisdom of children or something like that. That was the greatest genesis for the beginning of a teen superhero book again. And so, what did they do? They went out and they recruited. Who did they get? They got Amadeus Cho.
0: Amadeus oh, yeah.
1: Cho Hulk. I love that. Hulk. So, not only does that dude have money, but he's also a Hulk. Yeah. Mean, yeah. So, you know, he builds them a flying headquarters and. You know, the four of them are, you know, talking about who should be leader, you know, and how kids are. So,
0: and you guys, uh, so how do they bring in Cy- Cyclops from okay. all new X Men?
1: So, this is really cool to me. Okay. And I'm going to tell the story poorly because it's been a few months since I've read this book. But essentially, they're camping because they don't have any place to go. Yeah. And Amadeus Joe has this flying RV that he basically made for the group. Okay. Okay. So, it's like a mobile, small RV. Like a, if like there's, the I honestly shield.
0: think that might be from his book. I, I believe his it sister's, is. Sisters, his sisters are his sisters are V.
1: Yeah, the one that flies. Yeah, and uh, so I think that is. And um, so the four of them are sitting around a campfire talking about who should be leader. Like they're all saying, "I should be leader. I should be leader." Because, yeah. and you know, Cho's like, "Well, I am the third smartest person on earth." You know, so I obvious, thought He was the ninth or ninth, whatever the Did fuck. He? Oh, I was gonna say that. I, be, I don't. I don't. It don't, wouldn't
0: surprise me if he moved since they fucking killed Banner in Secret War. II. Yeah,
1: motherfucker, God, you killed Bruce. He's would be gonna fine.
0: be in thor
1: ragnarok it
0: would be fine if it were a good story but yeah it wasn't a good story so we're gonna
1: we're gonna yeah anyway don't get me started um so but yeah maybe he's now the eighth smartest person in yeah, the world yeah okay so and then well camelot Khan says well i know more about superheroes and supervillains than any of you guys put together and then Nova's like well i've been to space and back and spider-man's like I could be leader too. I mean, I think it was yeah. the extent of miles <laughs> that sort you know. Yeah. But there's. I've there, seen there, shit. I've <laughs> seen, yeah. I've, my universe died, yo. Um, yeah. But, you know, and then from the woods emerges Cyclops. And the
0: quintessential leader the, character.
1: The leader character, and this is... this is, And they're all like, what? And they start fighting, of course, because superheroes, right? Yeah, yeah. They get over it mid-issue, and then they, they keep this discussion going into the next issue. But Cyclops is like, you know, he's fed up with being the X-Men. He's fed up with being compared to revolutionary Scott Summers, his older self.
0: I can completely understand right? that.
1: And he says, I'm going to be a hero on my own. Now... I enjoyed Greg Rucka's short-run Cyclops series. Yeah, that was good. Him and his, his space I, pirate yeah. father out having adventures in the Shi'ar galaxy yeah, was that fantastic. Was, that was
0: pretty fucking dope.
1: So this is a Cyclops that came back to Earth, this teenage Cyclops. But there's something about Cyclops. He has a destiny. No matter how it takes shape, he has a destiny to lead. And... It's being told organically now. I think I might be one issue behind on this book right now, but Cyclops just fits in because he's a teenager, and they eventually think, "Well, he's kind of cool," but he's going to turn into this awful mutant general. It's like, no, he's not. He's not that guy yet. And
0: it's almost, and I, I don't please like drawing. This no, comparison. that's okay. Well, oh, I'm. It's very similar to uh, Youth Hitler.
1: You know. In a way, you're kind of right. It, I, it's I would not probab- that extreme. It's not that extreme. I would But prob- that's kind of the closest I could come up with. I would probably even say, like, youth Che Guevara, in um, a way. He, che Guevara was...
0: Just, it just went over my head. Okay,
1: so history. Uh, che Guevara helped fight the Cuban Revolution alongside Fidel Castro. Oh, okay. Okay, Fidel Castro decided that he wanted to... Oh, Che,
0: okay. Che. I, che, okay.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so for those that don't know out in the, the audience... Fidel Castro thought thought the struggle was over. Cuba was free. Che Guevara is like, you know what? I was hearing
0: one word. I I wasn't hearing. Sure, okay, but just let me finish
1: real quick. Is that Che decided that the revolution's not over? I need to go to other places, and became sort of a professional revolutionary after after a time. Yeah. So um, so I liken Cyclops more to a people's hero. You know, even though Che Guevara did some pretty terrible things. Um, so did Cyclops in the comics, you know, he did it for, he saw himself as the hero of his own story towards the end, Yeah, you know, as all great villains do.
0: And then you see, uh, the only reason that I kind of bring up Hitler is because of the Phoenix force. Sure. You know, the whole Phoenix, uh, basically ruler of earth by the end of it.
1: Right. Don't get me started on AVX either. Yeah, I've, no, was... we, we might have conversations. I mean, we're seeding the future of this podcast right, yeah. right now. But um, so, so Young Scott, Slim Summers, decides, I'm out. I'm out of the X-Men. I'm going to change my future. I'm going to go do something else. And the champions, the whole reason Detra, raison d'etre of this organization, of this, this grouping of teen characters exists, is to go help the little guy. Go help the guys being caught in in conflict. They went to a... Um, you know how Marvel doesn't have fake cities in the United States? Yeah. Well, they specialize in fake countries all over the Absolutely, planet. Absolutely, yeah. And I yeah. can't remember the name of it, but it was a Pakistan-like government, and Ms. Marvel said, we need to go affect change right now. So an American Muslim teenager brings the champions to this country to protect a Malala Yusuf type um, um, figure from... Being killed just because she wants to help open a school for girls in this in this foreign Muslim wow. country okay you know talk about some timely comics yeah ha, ha. you <laughs> I see, see what she did <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway um but ser- seriously, they're timely comics and they they live up to marvel's former name and and you know teenagers. You know, you, you're, you're closer to being a teenager than I was, but I can tell you when I was a teenager, I wanted to change the world. I think a lot of teenagers, they either want to change the world or, or get into something that, that, um, is, that they can say that they're more into than anything else. And in a way, these are the kind of teenagers that, that we see. These are teenagers afforded the, the ability to go into a country to help change How that country is run, you know, by you know this militant Taliban-style government, and helping to at least keep this zone safe for girls to be educated. I mean, you know, telling stories that kind of matter. Yeah. And um, you want to talk about? Sure, we have the 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 commonalities of Miles, Sam, and uh, Kamala getting together because the three of them were the former. Um, protégés of the adult Avengers. I yeah. don't think they were, even though they were given ID cards, I don't think they were ever considered full Avengers by the adults. That's just my, my viewing of it. Um, that
0: they didn't have, honestly, I don't
1: think they had time. They didn't have time. That would have been a great story to explore. Yeah. But they didn't. Maybe we should write Marvel. You I'll know. let you go ahead and okay, do all that. Okay, thanks. I appreciate that. So anyway, but these are kids who don't have patience they show they don't have patience they show that they want to change the world they show they their heads are full of bright um imp- important maybe self-important ideas and um amadeus shows there too I mean, yeah who was born 30 i think and yeah. um you know i i can't say enough mark wade Gets writing a teenager voice, and this dude is older than I am. And uh, he, yeah, I love his
0: Archie book. That's one of my favorite books on the stage. Oh right
1: God, now. yeah.
0: You so know, good yeah, call. the fact that he he can, he can do that with with ease, yeah, is is really astonishing.
1: And can I also say Humberto Ramos? I You don't like Humberto Ramos?
0: I don't. I, I, I haven't. There was only one thing I think I enjoyed him on, and I can't even remember what that is right well, now.
1: Well, I'll tell you what I enjoyed him on. I think
0: it might have been X-Men from like the mid-2000s. Okay, that's but... not me.
1: I've enjoyed Humberto Ramos on two books. One was Champions. One is Champions. I Impulse? Should say. Impulse. Okay. I loved Impulse.
0: You know what? I take it back. It wasn't X-Men. Um, I think it was... Gosh. I... You know what, it was, um, he hmm. did, there was a couple issues of Wolverine he did back in. I,
1: you know what, I think I remember what and, you're talking and it about. And
0: wasn't, it wasn't the full, I didn't enjoy the full story, but there were a yeah. couple issues where I was just like, I don't hate this.
1: Well, you know, and, and he's just not somebody whose career I followed as an artist, but when I've encountered him, like I'm into the idea of teen su- superhero books as I've set up yeah. from my number two. Yeah. So, but he captures that youthful spirit. And he's got identities, facial and physical identities, and, and this dynamic how these 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 super young superheroes operate around one another. And I just like I just like the alchemy that and I'm using that term again that Mark Wade and Humberto Ramos have come up with for this book. And I, I'm just really looking forward to its future.
0: Yeah, I can that's a that's a book I'm definitely going to check out even though I'm not a big Humberto Ramos fan. I uh yeah, I'm going to check it out uh once I get once I I finish the all new all different stuff.
1: I I got to say this just for my last bit. It's out Teen Titansing, the current Teen Titans book.
0: Yeah, that's not surprising. I feel like right now Marvel's in the middle of a youth revolution, and, and Champions is the next logical step in that youth revolution. And I,
1: and I just hope they keep it going. They're, they're this is where I can, and it's, it's like teenager me, wanting yeah. to buy more teen books and solo books, yeah. because this means I can get my Nova, Ms. Marvel, and Miles Morales, yeah. and Cyclops, and, and uh, uh, Amadeus Cho Hulk, yeah. all in a single book. You know, yeah. so I can save a couple of bucks that way, and there's no shortage of characterization for any of those characters. So yeah,
0: I uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel like yeah, that's leading the 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 new asp not well yeah newer mm-hmm. aspect of of legacy that's come about in the Marvel U.
1: I, strange that Marvel was on the legacy bandwagon a little bit before DC got back on the legacy bandwagon. That
0: they got well. That goes into that's another podcast where I just can go into the whole concept of uh, Marvel doing legacy now, and not only as a creative, I feel like the creatives come second, but it's all about the the future of the MCU.
1: I agree, I agree, and you know what? If you have ideas out there that you want us to cover on the graphic pod contest, con. The Graphic Content Podcast? Yeah. That, you know what? I'm not going to edit that out because I sounded like an idiot and it was kind of funny trying to listen to that. Um, but if you have ideas for the Graphic Content Podcast, for stuff that you want Adam and I to talk about, just hit us up on Twitter at Graphic Podcast. We'd yes. love to hear what your ideas are. Yeah. So Adam, where are you on your list right okay, now? Okay, number two. Number two.
0: Number two is Miles Morales' Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, as I said, you're going to see Bendis a lot on this list because it's easy. He's easy to, for me to read in a bite-sized chunk. Yeah. It's, and um, I really enjoy that book. I enjoy seeing Spider-Man. Um, I enjoy seeing this version of Spider-Man. Uh, as I said, I've not been a fan of Peter Parker uh, since before JMS left. Uh, amazing.
1: Wow, that's uh, that's going back a couple of years.
0: Yeah, that. That's the last time I was hardcore into Peter Parker. Okay, There's, there were some good stories with Brand New Day, but, yeah. but overall, I didn't feel it was consistent. This, I I love seeing. Um, it almost feels like a creator-owned book inside the MCU. Who's
1: Who's the creative team on that uh, one? Right
0: now, it's uh, Brian Bendis and Sarah Pacelli.
1: Oh God! Well, uh, duh, the Ultimate Spider-Man team, yeah. right there. So, so
0: yeah, it's been it's been a great book. I've 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 liked it so far. Um, They're about to do a crossover with Spider Gwen, which I'm kind of over inner book crossovers at this point, Mm -hmm. especially Spider Gwen, because I feel like that book's had, it's already had like two or three, and they're not even on issue like 20.
1: Aren't people buying Spider Gwen? I mean, or, 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 I mean, so Spider Gwen is, I mean, it's in like middle of the pack, so it's safe. So why are they crossing that book over so well, much? Well,
0: the, the cool thing is for this, this story, it makes sense. The current story, I haven't read it yet, but it's called Sitting in a Tree, mm-hmm. and it's a, a budding romance between Miles and Spider-Gwen.
1: Ooh. And so I'm, I'm interested going in. Sedacious. Into yeah. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> but the, the one cool thing is you kind of see in the Bendis corner of the Marvel U in this book, there's a point where uh, Miles' mom... Uh, Who's come back from the dead since the Ultimate Universe? Oh
1: well, that's nice to know.
0: Yeah, she. So, but his mom is kind of freaking out, not figuring, can't figure out what's what's going on with her son and why he's acting so weird. Okay. So she brings uh, her grandma or her mom in, and Uh grandma lays down the law and is no nonsense. In fact, it's to the point to where like his dad is just like, get mother in law out the house right now, please. Wow. Because uh, it's
1: affecting dad's life, too.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah.
1: <laughs> As mother-in-laws tend to do. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so uh, <laughs> so it turns out, though, that grandma, her solution is hiring a, a PI to see what, what what is going on with Miles' life, which leads to a scene with Jessica Jones on a rooftop talking to Miles, being like, you need to get your shit together. Slow
1: clap. Yeah. That is so great. And so great.
0: Yeah. And she's like, you need to get your shit together. Stop being so obvious about this. And he's like flipping out. And he's like, no, I'm not Miles Morales. I'm Spider-Man. And yeah, she's like, cut yeah, the shit.
1: Yeah. You're, you're Spider-Man. All right. Yeah.
0: And Luke Cage is there. And, and it's, it's so- a really cool moment.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. Once Jessica Jones is on the case, you're screwed. Yeah. You're screwed. Yeah, and
0: so, yeah, it, it, there's a point where it turns out, like, uh, Miles's mom finds out that, that Miles' grandma has hired the PI, and she goes, and she's just like, I'll pay you money to drop this, because this was not what I meant when I invited <laughs> grandma in. And That's great. Yeah, so it, it's been a great title. I've really enjoyed it. I mean, Sarah Pacelli's done the majority of the art, and she just uh, she defines the look of that character. Yeah. Now they do bring on Nico Leon.
1: I'm not familiar.
0: He's done some. Well, I don't know if it's he she. The, okay. The, Nico's done some stuff on um on Miss Marvel okay. to fill in, and uh, Nico's great. Okay. Uh, the, the Nico does some some really. Cool stuff and really fits that book. So like, as a, is a, as a, fi- it was more of a treat than a fill in. So. Cool. So yeah. Cool. So yeah. I mean, that book's been, uh, it's been steady from the get go.
1: Interesting. You know, that might be another book that I, you know, once I catch up, might might go back. When to.
0: issue one came out, I went through because I'd started it back when it first started. Yeah. And uh, after the death of Ultimate Spider-Man. mm Hmm. Hmm. Um, but when the the post secret wars i went through and i just binged his entire run of everything okay up until that issue 1 and it was it was a fun ride
1: okay so yeah i'm i'm this might be binge worthy stuff for me because i really love miles and champions so as,
0: as i said it's easy it's easy to read and it flows it flows really okay. well okay
1: all right i might be checking mr morales out here pretty soon so do you want to go with your number one or should i
0: uh i'll go with number one okay my number one um is infamous iron man
1: oh okay
0: another bendis Maliev joint i love their work on on uh daredevil the only thing that they've done together since then that i haven't got to read is moon knight okay and uh i love those two as a creative team um This book, it follows up my favorite aspects of of Bendis' initial Invincible Iron Man run. Okay. And that's Doctor Doom. Yeah. And seeing Doctor Doom uh, from him trying to be a hero, seeing what that means, having the trust of absolutely no one.
1: Because he's Doctor Doom. Because,
0: yeah, he's Doctor Fucking Doom. Yeah. I think
1: that's his middle name.
0: Yeah, Doctor Fucking Doom. Victor
1: Fucking Von Doom. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And so, yeah. And uh, seeing... Bendis, uh, develop a strong motivation for that character and a logical motivation for that character to do what he does. Yeah. And he answers the questions that, that have been in the most recent issue. He answers the questions that have been, uh, begging to, to be answered since, uh, Secret Wars. And, uh, you get to see this character evolve into, to someone completely different and, uh, being being a god changes someone. Uh,
1: I, I can only assume so.
0: And and this you see that in this. And uh, I, I've loved it, man. It's been a great book and Alex Malieve is oh. is so great. Um, I love his stuff so much, and in this, it's just, it's no exception.
1: If I wasn't married, I might ask him to marry me because I love his art so much. Man, yeah, he's fantastic. From so far back in the day. I mean, back on Daredevil, that stuff, oh, God. And, I mean, just everything he's done, I mean, Daredevil.
0: I actually, if you get a chance, read his Crow stuff that he did.
1: You know what? He
0: did like two Crow miniseries that, that they look great. I, he, I he, loved them. He really is. I mean. He, he was the saving grace of those stories.
1: Uh, I can only imagine. Um, you know, he is such a great illustrator. And, you know, it's funny you bring up this. This is another one of those books that I missed post-Secret War that I just, or not Secret War, excuse me, post-Civil War yeah. too Um You know, again, just having an avalanche of books, you know, waiting to be read. Yeah, I I just haven't read it. One thing that I found was interesting is I love the Doom appearances in Invincible Iron Man. Yeah, and who was doing the art? Was that Deodato doing the artwork on that That one? That was the Civil War stuff.
0: Uh, It was Marquez at the beginning. Marquez, excuse me. And yeah, those elements are followed up on directly in this book.
1: And you can go back and look on it, but I swear to God. This is what I was thinking when I when I saw Victor Von Doom. First, you know, that first yeah. full body shot of him. Yeah. He looked just like Hugh Jackman to me. I can see it. And I'm thinking, you know what? He's wrapping up his run as Logan. And if they get the Fantastic Four rights back from Fox for the MCU... Why not have Hugh Jackman play I don't think play Doctor Doom?
0: I don't think they could do it.
1: I think they could. I
0: think he's too strongly associated with Wolverine. I you, don't think they could pull hey, that in and
1: make it not oh, it's Wolverine being Doctor Doom. It well, maybe that's that'll be the initial reaction, but after seeing uh him do Les Miserables and knowing knowing Oh, he's a very talented Jackman actor as the song and dance man that he is. Um, I also consider him a hell of an actor, so I think he's a guy that if you were to challenge him, you see, I think they pulled in the mainstream Marvel U what they did back in the Ultimate Universe when they first designed Nick Fury mm-hmm. and just threw a shout-out saying, hey, if you're going to cast a new Doctor Doom after that abysmal failure of the uh, Josh Trank film, this why yeah. not do Hugh Jackman as Doctor yeah, Doom? fair enough. I mean, who knows? But that's what uh, what I thought. But, I thought the idea of Dr. Doom being fully healed physically of uh, being unencumbered and wanting to try to be a good guy to an to the extent that the name von Doom will allow him to be yeah was a really unique idea i mean honestly, i didn't believe it was dr. doom
0: it wasn't until they got way in and I, was, I had to just accept, like, yeah, this is Dr. Doom. There was never a point where I ever trusted that character.
1: Oh, I didn't trust him at all. And the fact is, is that, you know, the thing that people forget about Dr. Doom sometimes is, dude knows magic.
0: Now, that's, I was about to bring that up. Okay. That's another fucking amazing element yeah. in, 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 in infamous Iron Man. Yeah, is You get to see Iron Man as a fucking magician. That's so... He's pulling up, like... He'll pull up, like, fucking launch missiles out of his suit and then have, like, this crazy magic protection barrier instead of, like, zero-point energy or whatever. And it's okay. so badass to see the mix of tech and magic.
1: Okay, I'm buying this book this weekend. Yeah. I, I'm going to buy the first issue. They're and only, then... I
0: think, on issue three or four or something like
1: Fantastic. that. Fantastic. Okay, you sold me. Done. Yeah. Okay. No, it's fucking cool. Dude, you know right now if you sold shoes, I'd buy eight pairs of that right now. I <laughs> <laughs> That is so fantastic. He's got, I mean, god damn, he's a, I mean, he is a magician. Back, I mean, um, Mike McNola did, I can't remember the name of the graphic novel, but it was a Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom crossover where uh, Doctor Doom needs Stephen Strange's help in rescuing his mother from hell. Was it Torment? No, it was something else.
0: I'm going to look it Uh, up. He's going to look it up.
1: But dude, ever since Doctor Strange, and I remember him saying something like that is that, um, Doctor Dr. Doctor Doom is the, one of the most frightening people ever because he is a, he is a master of both the disciplines of magic and science. I mean, this is this is coming from Stephen Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme of the universe, saying that Doctor Doom is a significant magical threat. <laughs> Let alone the nuclear powered battle armor that he wore at the time. Oh, here uh, it is. It's Triumph and Torment. Yes, Triumph and Torment. Okay, so and. Uh, Mike McNola doing the yeah, artwork on yeah, that. Yeah,
0: him and P. Car- P. Craig. P. Craig Russell. Craig Russell. And then I think Roger Stern wrote yep. it.
1: Yep, yep. Roger and, Stern wrote all the great Doctor Strange stories yeah. of the eighties.
0: Oh, it was Mark Badger. Mark Badger doing inks. But yeah, it was a phenomenal book. Yeah. I, I read that and and I was blown away at how how well that was done.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. I really want to read that book now. I I want to read it now. Okay, I'm I, done. I'm, I, you, you I got the, it on my. You got the unlimited. podcast. I'm going now. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I, I still have to talk about my number one book. Yes. Right what now. is your number one book, Jim? Okay. So you remember how I said that I'm going to talk about Mark Wade a lot on this podcast? We got, he's
0: your Brian Bendis. He is he's
1: my Brian Bendis right now. I mean, and look, I love Brian Bendis. Okay, I am an unabashed Brian Bendis fan from back in the day of Project Fire.
0: Holy shit!
1: I met. Young, skinny. Did he have hair? No. Okay. I don't think he's had hair. I think when he when he was born, he never had hair. (laughs) He just Uh, never
0: grew it on his head. But
1: I met. Okay. So so this is like Comic Con 1993 or 1994. What the fuck? Yeah, I went to Comic Con 1993 or four, right? And I'm I'm coming. You know, I'm over there at the. uh, I want to say it was. This is like pre-caliber. Oh yeah. Maybe it might have been post. Maybe it was 96 or 7. I don't remember which. Yeah. But anyway. Okay. No, it was Brian Bendis' own table. But I didn't know that was Brian Bendis, again, because I wasn't as plugged into the community as we are now post-age of internet. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm I'm reading this, Project Fire, and um, I was really... It wasn't Torso. It was the one between Fire and Torso. Goldfish, Goldfish a.k.a. Goldfish. And I had gotten that at my my favorite local comic shop at the time and i was just that book turned comics on my head for me i mean i and i just said wow brian bendis this is and he's just standing there kind of smiling you know like looking at me like i'm an absolute moron and um i had more hair back then myself and (laughs) but he had none i have more hair and will always have more hair than brian bendis but anyway um you know, so he's asking me, you know, uh, how I heard of it. I said, yeah, I, you know, my local comic shop purchased exactly one issue of it, and then I told him it was a great book, so he reordered it, and I, I got all the issues for it. I think Goldfish. I mean, I was just learning of of movies like um, The Usual Suspects and David Mamet's House of Cards and uh pulp fiction and reservoir dogs so nero noir crime um was was really making a resurgence and goldfish was right in that vein i hope one day he can make that movie because i know they've talked about making it and um and i'm looking at project fire going wait a minute this is a and i'm flipping through i go this is a spy book he goes yeah it's a you know, and he tells me the story behind Project Fire and all that. I go, okay, sold. I got to buy it. And he goes, great. Do you want me to sign up for you? And I go, you're, you're Brian Bentis. And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is my table. I'm I'm Brian Bentis. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, man! I can't believe you let me run on like an idiot. He goes, well, it was kind of funny. So I mean, <laughs> you know. And I mean, I'm just melting inside because, you know, to me now this is pre-internet. So it's it's weird meeting cre- it was even weirder meeting creators then because they're for the all most you had part was the name. all you had was the name i mean yeah you saw like they would always interview guys like arthur c clark and and isaac asimov about you know new advances in science and what's coming in the future and stuff like that so you understood those guys being seen around but Stan Lee was the only comics creator and Jack Kirby. Because I, at that point, I was reading Comics Buyer's Guide occasionally. So I got to know more about Jack Kirby. And that's when what really fueled my Jack Kirby love Mm -hmm. was around that time when in my 20s. But meeting Brian Bennett and just, and get this, Adam, it was, I want to say, a Friday afternoon at San Diego Comic Con. And there was hardly anybody in the aisles. Now, there were <laughs> some crowds there was some crowds so on Saturday. That's hilarious. It is to think about now
0: because, I mean. Now you've got 110,000 people on any given day over there.
1: Just in the convention center, not yeah. including all the off-site events that oh they have God, around there yeah. now. I mean, how there hasn't been an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease or something like yeah, that, you know. Yeah. Um,
0: well, but, every, I'm sure Concrud started there and just went oh, from every it's convention a thing. around.
1: It's a thing. I caught Concrud in 2008. Which was the last time I went, and it's a real thing. I I mean, 2008 they had, that was the first year that they had hit max capacity.
0: Oh, and I remember that Tickets sold out within like
1: it was you know, minutes.
0: Yeah, it was minutes, and and all this and crazy I was shit. a part
1: owner of uh, one of the comic shops uh, in Lodi at the time, so I got my ticket free. Nice, you know. So, but we bought you know tickets from my wife, and yeah, you know, we went with some other friends who were lucky. But uh, dude. Um, that meeting with Brian Michael Bendis was absolutely fantastic. So I want to say no no hate to Brian Bendis at all because he's not on my list. Um, in fact, if anything, your number one pick has inspired me to go spend yet more money right now because that sounds like the most dope concept for it, a comic book, cool, for yeah. a mainstream comic book right now than fucking anything else. Yeah. But let me get back to Mark Wade here, Okay. I think Mark Wade is having is is it's been going for a year or two now where he is in the middle of a writing renaissance right now. You know he he kind of was backing off a little bit. He started with Archie and he had done some other things. I say it started and, with Daredevil. And, oh no, that's when that's when it it went like that's when the fuse was lit. Was when he went on Daredevil. I absolutely agree with you, but this renaissance now continues into a book called Black Widow, Oh, okay. which is yeah. my number one book.
0: Him and Chris Somney right
1: it's now. Chris Samney from Daredevil, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, Chris Somney, who was not taken, I don't believe was taken seriously. This is strictly as a, a postulating guy who knows nothing about the inner workings of the comic book industry, um, but he was a guy who was doing a, a junior version of the Thor comic, um, oh yeah, remember The Avenger? Yeah, Thor the Mighty Avenger, it was right after the movie came out. Yeah. And I started buying that junior comic off the kids rack and I fucking fell in love with that book. It yeah. it was such it was almost romantic in a way, but but not in a a harlequin romance kind of way, but it was like a throwback to like princess bride kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know that kind of romantic fantasy and I I just I thought that 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 this guy Chris Samney was an absolute gem that needed to blow up and it, that was like his first ongoing
0: marvel I, I believe, believe it
1: was uh, yeah
0: and uh, yeah he's he's been great he did some filling stuff around there and mm-hmm. uh, it was nice to see him come on a book and actually establish himself as a prime talent
1: oh yeah and i mean his his daredevil book with mark wade I mean, Mark Wade. Now, rem- remind me. There was like Mark Wade came on with somebody else first. Paulo Rare. Yeah. Then and Marcos Martin. Then Marcos Martin, and then they relaunched it.
0: Well, he did. Somni came in midway through that right, run. Right,
1: right, and then they relaunched the book with yeah. Wade and Somni with another number one. Yeah. And um, which is another. Topic for a future podcast, which is how Marvel is handling. So
0: fucking great!
1: It's so great, and yet Marvel frustrates me with the sheer amount of number ones that they put out now. Yeah, yeah. But but that topic notwithstanding, um, so I I'm f- my meat cute, as they say in romantic comedy writing. Uh, I first encountered uh, Chris Somni on that book, Thor, the Mighty Avenger. Uh, then I fell in love with him on Daredevil. With Mark Wade, and now I think we're going to get married on Black Widow. Um, oh, okay. which is I I have I am fully is he
0: drawing your invitations to.
1: I hope he does. If he could just, <laughs> I mean, he's somebody that that makes me want to consider going to one of the major shows. I mean, not not Comic Con International because it's turned into Sundance in 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 a super hot climate. Um, but I want to go to a show like. New York Comic-Con, WonderCon, Emerald City. One of the bigger conventions. One of the bigger con- conventions and get a commission from him. And um, I think he is just, he's he a minimalist creator in the vein of, you know, you, I, I, I hearken back to Francesco Francavia. And, uh, you know, he's, of course, done Afterlife with Archie, which I thought was hilarious and wonderful yeah. um, and, and downright scary for an Archie book. Um, you know, he's done The Black Beetle, over at Dark Horse, which is... about
0: to do The Spirit, which I was like, holy fuck, I want to read that.
1: Who's writing that book? Him. Fucking A! Um, (laughs) I just did the metal horns with both hands right there. Yeah, he's writing Um, and drawing that book. Holy shit, sold. Um, I'm totally going to get that book, because I think Francesco Francovia is fantastic, and Chris Samney, while, I mean, draws nothing like Francovia, is another minimalist storyteller... That that can tell that that knows a picture is worth a thousand words and it's about how you compose the image versus putting excessive detail into that image. Sometimes less is oh so much more. Absolutely. And there is that shot that is on the first page, because you know in Marvel Comics, they always have the recap page yeah. at, at the beginning of every single issue. And there's the picture of the shield helicarrier over the island of Manhattan, and you could barely see her, but she has crashed out. The black widow has crashed out of one of the windows without what appears to be a parachute <laughs> skydiving out the window wow. of the shield helicarrier, which happened in the very first issue of that book. And that book has not lost one ounce of momentum since. Um, she was being blackmailed into becoming a, a, a kind of terrorist, uh, Otherwise, all of her secrets were going to be exposed by this telepathic blackmailer known as the Weeping Lion. And she, I won't spoil it, but she finds a way to turn the tables on him and basically puts a collar around his neck. Nice. Okay, so that's the first arc, is dealing with the Weeping Lion. And now the second arc is that she has found out that the Red Room has been reactivated. Okay, the project by the headmistress who was her trainer, the trainer of female assassins for the Russian government. And it's now known as The Dark Room, which I think is an awesome name for a group. And it's about her wanting to save the children who are being turned into merciless killers uh, for the second half of this book. I'm fully caught up on this book. I read four issues this morning. And uh, so now I am up to issue 11. And... I don't know if the plan was to end the series at 12 or nine. I
0: believe so. it's 12 or 13, something like that. But it's, it's, one of those, it's one
1: of these miniseries that they don't even label as a miniseries so that you actually buy it. Um, let me tell you something. This book, I've already said before, I love my spies. I love spies. I love S.H.I.E.L.D. I love the world of intrigue and espionage and James Bond and all that shit, right? Black Widow is the James Bond of the Marvel Universe.
0: Oh, absolutely!
1: And it, you know, we've seen what Bendis has done with her. We've seen what Frank Miller has done with her. We've seen what uh, a lot of creators have done with her. Um, I remember they had um, fuck. What was it? It was uh, Marvel Spotlight. Um, and George Perez did a three-issue run of the '70s Black Widow with the with the bouffant hair and the cat suit and yeah, the whole thing yeah. like that. And he did a three-issue run of Black Widow, uh, which awesome. in that book was the only time Marvel Spotlight ran a multiple-issue arc on the same character
0: because okay. it was
1: a, a book. Ju- it was direct market, just one character, one one issue. Yeah. Um, so. I've loved the Black Widow as a character in so many different ways, but the stuff that she pulls off in this book is spectacular. They touch on her training in the Red Room. They touched on something that they have only barely touched on during Ed Brubaker's run in uh, Captain America, which is when uh, Bucky Barnes was the Winter Soldier full-time for the Soviet Union, that the two of them had a romance. Yeah,
0: which was one of my favorite aspects when they rekindled that in Brubaker's Captain America and Winter Soldier runs.
1: Yep, and uh, Winter Soldier makes a few appearances in the book, and guess who else makes an appearance in the book in the latest issue? Daredevil? Nick Fury.
0: What the fuck? Wait, which Nick Fury?
1: Post-original sin Nick Fury. I thought he was dead. No. Remember the Watcher is dead? Yeah. Yeah. He's the Watcher now. No shit! He's the Watcher. He is known as... That's fucking crazy. The the Watchers chained him to the moon and have made him the Watcher of Earth.
0: Holy fuck!
1: And he is now known as the Unseen.
0: Holy shit. That is amazing. This
1: book has gone from crashing out of the helicarrier, motorcycle chases... Fights with martial artists. Um, the daughter of the headmistress was given the codename recluse, as in the spider, mm-hmm. and she has proven to be an archenemy of sorts to the Black Widow. Nice. Has harassed her. The Weeping Lion, a telepathic blackmailer and global information merchant, and um, you know, the the former you know Eastern European countries descending into chaos, dogs and cats living together. No, I mean, the, you know, hidden bases, you know, ways to protect yourself from telepathic mind probes. and the fucking watcher who was once Nick Fury. I mean, this book, look, I like the original sin stuff that that jason Jason Aaron again. Mm-hmm. Jason Aaron, I thought, wrote a sublimely great book crossover event that you did not have to read all the issues of in Original Sin. And uh, it's I thought it was great because, again, it dealt with spy shit, but it also dealt with spy shit on a galactic level. Yeah. And um, the fact that Nick Fury was such a substantial part of the Black Widow's history that they saw fit to, to weave him into the storyline in a way that you will not, it, it will blow your mind when you read this. I
0: yeah, I was wait when I heard this was going to end, I was like, well, I'm going to just wait until this all ends and read it all cuz I started and I fell off. But yeah, I'm really excited to read this now.
1: It is so absolutely utterly fantastic of a series that I envy you for being able to sit down and binge whatever it turns out to be, whether it's 12 or 13 issues. This book has been my favorite Marvel comic since issue 1. And um, I am going to be sad to see it go. But I'll tell you what, if they end it right, it will be great. And I'm looking forward to it. So um, that's my number one book. I know I waxed really long on Star Wars in comparison. But you know what? I think I would do the do our listeners and you a disservice if I were to just keep talking forever and ever about it. This is Mark Wade at the height of his power. This is Chris Samney at the height of his power. And again, I'll use the word the third time this episode. This is the alchemy that creates the philosopher's Stone. This is amazing this is this is what needs to be read by people who, who are fans of the Marvel Universe and more so seeing the Black Widow as not just a supporting character like some people on the movie production side of things, but as the lead character and a kick-ass one that can operate in any environment whatsoever. Drop the mic.
0: Wow. I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to see this. Uh, yeah. I, I can't wait to... I was already excited knowing just with the two creators yeah. involved... That I was just like, Oh, this'll be good. Like just oh yeah, this will yeah. be good. And uh now I'm I'm I feel like it's gonna definitely uh come to the forefront of you know, being amazing. So I,
1: I, I cannot tell you how much I envy you for being able to sit down and read the whole thing in one shot. That that's I really envy you. You're gonna have a great time with this. Yeah. Your number one book right now is in uh, no, uh, Iridea, what what, in, what infamous Iron infamous Man. Infamous Iron Man. Uh, my number one book was uh, was a uh, Black Widow, uh, the Sudden and Black Widow. Uh, my number two book was Champions. Adams, yours was
0: uh, Spider Man.
1: Spider Man. Uh, my number three book was Black Panther. Yours was uh, Punisher. Punisher. Uh, my number four book was uh, the current run on Moon Knight.
0: Uh, mine was in- Invincible Iron Man.
1: Right, uh, Adam's fifth spot is for rent right now. Yeah. So somebody, it's empty. it's empty because Marvel has been shooting a lot of blanks lately. Also, unfortunately, one
0: of the few I picked up was Hulk. And yeah, I because I, I try to give. There's some new writers. I don't know what it is. I'm just like, well, I don't, I don't want to check that person out. But for whatever reason, Mariko Tamaki, uh-huh. I, uh, I decided to check her stuff out and. Uh, I I've, I'm reading the new Hulk book and it's not really doing anything for me.
1: But. You know, I'm I'm reading uh, what's I can't remember the name of the uh, writer on the new Hawkeye Kate Bishop book. Um, Kelly Thompson. Kelly Thompson, and that's a book that I think is growing on me. Um, I don't think it 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 deserves the honorable mention yet. I mean, we're only like three issues into the book right now. Um, I'm gonna wait all six before I recommend it to anyone. Yeah, but I think it's a book that if you're if you're curious to see and if you really love the Young Avengers and really loved Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, as I have, um, you know that's one of those books. It's an inertial buy, sort of like uh, that one book I ranted and raved about last time that I will not name again right now. My love hate codependent relationship, but. Um, yeah, you know it's it's great. Um, I did have a number five book, and that is the main Star Wars book. Um, That's another
0: book I'm gonna because uh, with Force Awakens, I kind of brought out the the Star Wars fan in me. Awakened. Oh, cool! Uh, from being uh, a kid who really, I, I came in with the special edition. Sure. I watched them all in, in the theaters, and yeah. since then, I've realized the. That that's all bullshit. Um, but
1: but don't get me started, Kid Yeah.
0: But I, hey. I I went through and I watched all three and then I watched episode seven, and then I said, I need more Star Wars in my life. You know. And I got caught up for the first trade two trades of Vader and Star Wars, and they just I fell off from there. But I'm excited to come in, you know, and, and read all the Jason Aaron, Karen Gill and stuff. I
1: think and Honestly, you have to read them. And this is the one Mm -hmm. criticism that I'll actually say. While they do operate completely separate, it's a diet that's best served in tandem with one another. And that
0: was kind of my big thing I think that fell off on me was I had to jump back and forth between two books.
1: But there's a point where Boba Fett has that fight with Skywalker that I talked and raved about, right? Yeah. Well, in the Darth Vader book, the next issue of the Darth Vader book, after the end of Vader dealing with all the shit he has to deal with because he's on the outs with the Emperor for letting the Death Star gang destroyed, yeah, which is really just the Emperor fucking with him because he's the fucking Emperor and and, and the embodiment of evil. But there is a scene where Boba Fett tells him who the rebel pilot was that destroyed the Death Star. Oh, I
0: did. Yeah, that was the very end of where I read was where he finds out that it's uh, Luke Skywalker and he doesn't figure out that's his son yet, does he?
1: Oh, he does.
0: Okay, that's right. You need to... And you, you see the window crack.
1: The, the window, one of those giant round windows like yeah. behind the Emperor's chair, his throne, and just spider webs it with the force because he's so angry at yeah. that point. But it, it goes on so far beyond that. Um, they're just doing some fun books right now. Uh, and again, I am totally bought into Dr. Afra without reading an, a single issue of it. Um, because Dr. Afra is awesome yeah. and uh, was a great supporting character in the Vader book. And might I also recommend the Lando miniseries as I'm well? I'm not a
0: huge fan of Charles Soule, and okay, so I know I'm, you're
1: not, but Alex so I, Malieve doing the art
0: that should that be my rope into the book
1: and Charles Soule. I'm sorry. He gets Lando, and that's one smooth motherfucker right there. Okay, okay. okay? Just read the first issue okay. instead of buying the trade, and tell me what you think. Okay, uh, I think there's an interesting, there's a great premise to that, but I want to see you read the premise, which is laid out by the end of the first issue, and see what you think about okay. that. All righty, kids. Well, that's our list. Again, I'm going to pimp the podcast uh, Twitter feed right now. It's at Graphic Podcast. Please, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode. Hit us up on that. We're also on Twitter. I'm at Jimmers with three M's, J I M M M Mm, E R S. And Adam, you're at Twitter where?
0: At Adam S. Messinger. You can find me all over social media at Adam S. Messinger.
1: Yeah, I don't have that capability. Um, I tried to get Jimmers with three M's on Instagram, but can only come up with five because there has to be a Jimmers with two, three, and four M's other than myself. Yeah. Um, you can find me at But gym- you're the
0: most important, because you got the most M's.
1: I, I would like to say so. I am like, if each M was a star, I'd be a five-star Instagrammer. Yeah. Actually, I only post my role-playing game photos and
0: uh, yeah, I very cat rarely pictures. See you post on there,
1: but I'm going to try. I'm going to yeah. keep trying, um, and I'm on Facebook a lot. So you can follow me at Facebook simply at Jim Mason. Uh, next time on Graphic Podcast, we're going to talk about our favorite creator-owned books. Yes. I don't know if we're even gonna do a top five. I think we're just gonna We can bullet
0: point books that we like.
1: Yeah, and point you in the right direction because we wanna do some we wanna get some underserved titles put yeah. out there, I think.
0: And it's gonna give me an excuse. I only have creator owned titles on my pull list, but I binged them all. So I got a bunch of titles on there I have not read. Right. from and I have like the first 5 issues of them. So this is going to give me a chance to do that and talk about some of the books uh, how they've impressed me or how I need to drop them.
1: Yep, and and another thing that we are going to do with that is and I'm just dropping this on Adam right now is that there might, you know, we're going to talk about creator on books that might be years old also. Stuff that's oh, still still in circulation great. that you should read. I have got one comic book in particular that I'm thinking of right now that will really interest fans of the Captain America films. Okay. And that's going to be my tease for the next episode. All right. So until next time, everybody. Go read a comic. See you later.